What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Pick Aside podcast. No music today. This is Zoom edition because Drew is in Florida. And as you guys can see right here, we got Dells, Riv, Drew, and John will be joining us on today's show because today is NBA Rookie Report. And John wants to give Walker Kessler some love on today's show, so he'll be able to do so. We're also going to be talking about the Bears shading the number one overall pick to the Panthers, give out report cards for NBA rookies, and give a MVP case for Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis. How are you guys doing today, fellas? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing absolutely doing amazing. Good, We're going to talk about why I'm feeling so extra amazing later, of course, but I'm in I'm in Florida. I'm in Orlando. I'm actually going to be going to the Heat Orlando game later tonight. My boys over at the six-man show, they absolutely spoiled me. I want to give them their shout-out. Shout-out to Jonathan. Shout-out to Luke. And I'm excited to, to, to definitely go to the Amway Center, root for the Magic. I'm going to be an honorary Magic fan tonight. It's only right. I can't root for the Heat. No way, no how. But last night, last night was amazing. Last night was great. You can't root for the team that LeBron used to play for? Not tonight. Not tonight. <laughs> Not tonight. And it's only for the sole fact that the six-man show Typical did as LeBron right as they time. did. And, and they hooked me up. They're, I'm going to this game because of them. That's it. That's the only reason why I got I got to stay true. It saved you. It'd be a smack. It'd be a smack it in the face you. if I was like, "Yeah, let's go, let's go." Eat. You know what I mean? So for sure, shout out to the six man show. Got to give them their shout out. And if I Love had the, the soundboard, I'd give them some clap, and I'd give them some clap. You gonna make it clap for them? Yeah, of course. I'll make That's it clap nuts. for them, no doubt. But listen, I want to get these things out of the way before we get into the show. One of them being, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of the show, then make sure to like this podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and give us five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts if you're listening. Next up, playback. We will be going live on playback three times a week. Next time we're going live is Knicks versus Lakers on Sunday. You know, two teams that uh, we root for on this show. You know, I'm a Knicks fan and Drew's a Lakers fan, so... We'll be rooting for both those teams on that playback. And, of course, we have to plug in Mojo. Today, they have a great promotion. It's Julius Randle to score five-plus points. It's a liquid prop. What that means is that liquid props on Mojo are there's a line for every player. If they score more than that line, then you make money for each point they score over that. So Julius Randle's at five points. We know he's going to score five points. So, honestly... This is a steal. It's free money. If you're in Jersey, you can deposit money. You can sign up on Mojo. It's that simple. Our investment of the week this past week was Jordan Love. And to check in on him, in the past week, he's up 19% on Mojo. It's a moneymaker, right? There. He was $10. Now he's $12. So Jordan Love is somebody on Mojo that you guys should be looking at investing in if you're in New Jersey. And you can download this app everywhere. But you can only deposit in Jersey. So, I mean, I know New Jersey isn't a vacation spot, but if you guys want to visit Jersey to just use Mojo, it's not a bad thing. Don't blame you. And Don't blame Drew, you. News came out that Tua got his fifth year option. 
So he also went up on Mojo 14% for getting that fifth year option. Yeah. And you were trying to convince me to, to sell my Tua stock and invest in Jordan Love. Valid reason. I understood where you were coming from. You should but as a rider, as a rider die, I can never not invest a in Tua Tagovailoa. I'm sorry. Why is that crazy? Just weird way to phrase it. I say what I want. All right. All right, Joel. All right. Use your, use your mouth how you see fit. Hey, I will do that. So, of course, when they accepted this option, we saw his price skyrocket. I was in my glory. Made, I made a quick 250 yesterday. Shout out to Mojo. Shout out to Tua. Shout out to the Dolphins for making the right decision, not chasing an old quarterback like another franchise in that division. Uh, maybe they might even not end up with him, which would be super unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers right now is deciding between retiring and going to the Jets. The, the, the trade is already done. If Aaron Rodgers says he wants to go to the Jets, that trade is going through. There's no doubt. Quality over quantity, Drew. Quality but over e- quantity. But either way, even if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets and retires, I mean, Jordan Love's stock is still going to go up even more. He's $12 right now. I think this is an absolute steal for him because if he's just average, he'll be at $20 at least. So I think it's a steal. Now, today we're going to have one football topic, which is, of course, the biggest thing that happened this week, and that's the Bears trading the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers. So I'm going to start with you first, Gels. We know that the Bears gave up the first overall pick, but the Panthers gave up DJ Moore, the ninth overall pick. The future first, this year second, and a second round pick in 2025. So all in all, the Bears got two first round picks, two second round picks, and DJ Moore for the first overall pick in this draft. I didn't think this deal was going to be out there, honestly, for the Bears. When I was thinking about what they could possibly trade back to, I always saw four as the ideal spot because they could still get one of Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, especially before the Carter, you know, legal situation was going on. You still get a blue chip prospect, um, and then you still get extra draft capital down the line. But if you could go from one to nine, I know you're not going to get maybe that top premier guy, but you bring on two additional or one additional first round pick, two additional second round picks, and you get a top 20 receiver, by far the best receiver on your team. Now you have a receiving core with Mooney, with Claypool, and most importantly, DJ Moore, who is honestly on a pretty steal of a contract. I think his cap is around 17, 18 million dollars this year. So we see how much the wide receiver market has really boomed in the last couple of seasons. That's an absolute steal for someone of DJ Moore's caliber. And I know at number nine, maybe you don't get Will Anderson, you don't get Jalen Carter, but there's a good chance you'll get your choice of the first tackle off the board, the first corner off the board. So you're still going to be able to, you know, plug and play holes that you would have been able to get at one or at four, assuming you don't go quarterback, no Justin Fields. For the Panthers, I know a lot of people are saying it's an overpay. You gave up a lot to go up from number nine to number one overall. They've needed a quarterback. They needed a quarterback really ever since Cam Newton had stepped away. They've tried different guys with Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. None of it has worked. They're just retreading guys that we know do not work in the NFL. So I understand and I appreciate the aggressive move to go up from nine to number one. It sounds like C.J. Stroud is their guy. Um, Frank Reich historically has gone for those bigger body physical type guys. That's why everyone leans Stroud over a guy like Bryce Young. And Stroud is probably just a much more safe prospect than another physical guy like Levis or Anthony Richardson, the best pocket passer in any out of all of these quarterbacks. So aggressive moves typically work off in the NFL. 
DJ Moore is a great receiver. He's not a top five guy that's irreplaceable. You can get someone who's going to come in and could give you a thousand yards. Um, so obviously it hurts to give him up because he is by far their best offensive player. If you need a franchise quarterback, this does that. So I think it's a great move for both teams. But I do think the Bears got maybe the biggest haul I've ever seen from the number one overall pick. I don't know, man. I disagree with that point. I, I don't think it's the biggest haul. And that's because I was looking at the history of first overall picks traded. That I've seen. That I've seen. Not the, like, Ricky Williams shit, but... Oh, no. I know. In 2016, the Titans traded with the Rams for the first overall pick. That's a fact. The Rams got Jared Goff. The Titans, with the picks that the Rams gave them, selected Derrick Henry, Corey Davis, and John O. Smith. Well, that's after the fact. We we don't know what these picks are going to be. They just hit on those picks. No, I know. But I also say this: the Panthers giving up their first round next year. That's scary. If I'm the Bears, I'm I'm anticipating this could be a top ten pick. The Panthers are not in a position where they're going to be really strongly competing this year. They weren't very strongly competing. Their defense kept them afloat. Their offense was mediocre. Even this year, DJ Moore wasn't his typical. I have a mediocre quarterback play, and I still put up a thousand yards. Was less than nine hundred this year. Nothing against DJ Moore. It really speaks to to the quarterback position. But they're in a situation where next year they are going to give the Bears a prime selection. And if you're the Bears, that's why I'm I'm kind of on the side of Joel, honestly. I think that yes, maybe this this might be the one of the crazier halls we've seen, but this is even crazier because next year, let's say, God forbid, Justin Fields doesn't work out and the Panthers are really that bad. I don't know if they'll be in contention for the number one overall pick. I don't think that they're that bad of a franchise, but I do firmly believe that the Panthers are going to give the Bears a top 10 selection. The, Bear, the, the Panthers really might be so bad offensively that they might give the, the Bears a top five selection. So the, anything you can do to better this defense as of right now, yes, you could probably go corner. There's even conversation that they might go JSN. I don't know if you need to do that. You just traded the second-round pick for Claypool. You have Darnell Mooney, who people are forgetting about, too. Cole Komet showed out this season for the first time. It seems like we were really waiting on a Cole Komet breakout kind of happened this season. And then you add DJ Moore into the mix. This offense, finally now, it's starting to be as if there's not many excuses for Justin Fields. The big excuse was his offensive line's not good, and that's still, that's still an excuse. But because of his ability to escape the pocket, his ability to be one of the best rushers at the quarterback position, and now you have DJ Moore, you have Darnell Mooney, who can be a strong number two, and you also have Chase Claypool, who I still have belief in his upside, obviously was horrendous when he was acquired, but it really t- it's going to take some time for you to essentially get incorporated into the offense. With Frank Reich, I think they'll finally start to do something that will – excuse me, not Frank Reich, I apologize. But, but now that you have a strong foundation, I do, I do firmly believe that they could get something going with Chicago. It's just a matter of filling the holes which right now is significant, is most definitely their defense. I just look at former trades like in 2011 or 2012 when Washington traded for RG3 and to get the second overall pick, and they gave up like five years' worth of first-round picks. I don't think this is the biggest haul, but this is a big haul. Ryan Poles did a great job in this trade, and they got the biggest need for this team. Wide receiver DJ Moore, you now pair him with Justin Fields, the next step in this offense is to make these passing concepts more advanced and not elementary like they were this past season. This past season, the passing concepts 
were very simple, easy to defend, and, and that's why the Bears couldn't pass the ball very well. And also, Justin Fields still struggled with his accuracy, and he has to get better in that aspect as well. Darnell Mooney, Claypool, Komet, you mentioned it, DJ Moore. That's okay. I, I don't think Claypool is a guy that I'm going to rely on heavily as a third wide receiver. That's why if I was the Bears, I'd still look at trading. The, um, I still look at picking JSN with the ninth overall pick. I, I've even seen Dalton Kincaid go as high as ninth, the tight end, and out at, of at Utah, and that is pretty surprising because I don't think he'll he'll go high that high in this draft. But for the Bears, it was a great haul. There's no doubt about it. The defense still absolutely stinks. The defense is horrendous. Their cornerbacks, although they invested some picks last season into the secondary, their secondary still is a work in progress. And I, I wouldn't be opposed to them drafting somebody like Christian Gonzalez with that Agreed. pick. So they can solidify that room. Defensive line is not good. Linebackers are not good. This team still needs an, a complete overhaul defensively. And those picks are going to help to bring that team to that direction. But for the Panthers, this is an absolute win. If they get the franchise quarterback, then none of this matters. If they if if CJ Stroud or whoever they draft is one of the top guys in the NFL, then all these picks that they traded to get him really does not matter. And I don't think Bryson is getting selected with this pick. I think it's between two guys, AR 15 and CJ Stroud. You look at the history of quarterbacks Frank Reich has worked with, they are all six three or or, or above. Bryson does not fit that profile, that prototype. I think C.J. Shroud showed in the combine that he is the most mechanically sound passer in this draft, and I I think he is the best quarterback in this draft. So I'd select them, and the Panthers aren't that far off from competing. Their defense is really good. Their offensive line finished 15th last season, and although you did lose D.J. Moore, we see wide receivers getting found in the second round all the time. We see wide receivers getting found late in the draft all the time. So I think if the Panthers can make one move, like bringing in a Jacoby Myers in free agency, keeping Terrence Marshall, and drafting receiver, this this receiving core could be fine. And ultimately, I trust Frank Reich, Jim Caldwell, and Josh McCown to develop a quarterback. So any quarterback they, they end up with, I'm going to have really high hopes in them developing that guy. And if you look right here on Mojo, Terrence Marshall is projected to be the first wide receiver, like wide receiver number one for Carolina. He's up 14% on the market. Fields getting that help now goes up 10% on the market. He's now $31. DJ Moore is $18. He goes up 4% by getting traded to Chicago. Ultimately, I think this is a win-win for both sides. The Bears didn't need a quarterback, so they traded the first overall pick. And the Panthers need one. You're, you're sitting at nine in no man's land. And ninth overall pick, you, you're not even sure if Will Levis is going to make it to you. So you had to make this move to get your guy. And now the Arizona Cardinals pick at number three becomes highly coveted. And teams are going to be calling them to trade up. Because once those first two quarterbacks are, on the, are off the board, it's possibly going to be AR-15 or Bryce Young number three. And if that's the case, a lot of teams are going to be calling up to move up. And that leaves the Colts in a tough position because they're in no man's land at number four. And if I'm the Colts, I'm not going to select a guy like Will Levis number four. Let's not fool ourselves, though. With the Bears just got the ninth overall pick, an extra first, and a wide receiver number one was an insane hole, giving you still have $70 million left over in free agency. The window is now for the Bears. You're only going to have Justin Fields in this one $2 million contract for the next two years until you have to give him that fifth-year option. So for them, I've lost a lot of respect over the last two weeks for Jalen Carter, 
but they were probably looking at Jalen Carter with the first overall pick. And he will may he may be or he may actually be there with the ninth overall pick. So you got Not all crazy. of those assets while still maybe getting that same player you're looking for. Because defensively, I mean, I'm sorry, you're not taking JSN with the ninth overall pick. You're going with the front seven. You hired Matt Eberflus last year. You have literally nobody in that front seven after training Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn. And the secondary is much less of a need after how much they went to the cornerback position in last year's draft. But here's the thing. What this trade reminds me of, I don't know about you guys, is exactly what you talked about before when the Rams moved up to get Jared Goff in 2016. And you look at the history of teams trading up in the first round and get quarterbacks, it's either boom or it's bust. Two years ago, the 49ers moved up nine spots to get Trey Lance with a third overall pick, TBD. Three years ago, the Packers moved up four spots to get Jordan Love at 26. TBD. Great move. In 2019, I agree. In 2019, the Jets moved up three spots to get Sam Darnold with a third overall pick, Massive L. In 2018, the Ravens moved up training two seconds to get the 32nd overall pick, grabbing Lamar. Dumb. Now, 20 picks before that, the Cardinals went and grabbed Josh Rosen with the 10th overall selection. Mm. Three picks before that, the Bills went out and got Josh Allen. The Dumb. year before that, the Texans moved up to the 12th overall pick to get Deshaun Watson. The Chiefs even went up again, up again with the Saints, who wanted Patrick Mahomes, and they got themselves the best quarterback we've seen. But a little bit before that, the Chicago Bears moved up one spot to the second overall pick <laughs> to take Mitch Trubisky. The year before, the Rams traded six picks, two first-rounders, and two seconds for Jared Goff. And they moved off of Goff without winning the Super Bowl. And the Eagles snagged Carson Wentz. They gave up two first most to the second overall pick. Some other past quarterbacks straight up to get include Paxton Lynch, Johnny Manziel, Teddy Bridgewater, and Robert Griffin. So there's not much of a middle ground here. When you trade up for a quarterback, you're either going to get a slam dunk or you're going to miss pretty badly. And when I look at this year's quarterback class, this is not the year. Next year is with Caleb Williams and Drake May. And for me, CJ Stroud, he reminds me a lot of Jared Goff, too. And if that's what the Panthers are getting, eh, I don't know if this is going to be worth it in four or five years. I don't think you guys didn't put too, too much emphasis on the NFC and what it looks like right now. I mean, it is a complete crapshoot. There's not many good teams. There's not many high-level quarterbacks. A lot of the talent is in the AFC. And John mentioned it. It's win now right now for the Bears. And when you have a buttload of cap, you have a lot of draft capital, you have guys. You still got some young guys, Brisker, you got Fields, you know, you got some guys out there. But you got to bring in a whole new team, and then you just pick up a number one. And number one is so huge for a young quarterback. I mean, you looked at what happened with Jalen Hurts. You looked at what happened with Josh Allen. You know, DJ Moore isn't at that level, but he can give that type of impact for Justin Fields to open up the game more for him. Not to mention the fact that the NFC isn't that good. You know, a division that has Detroit that's coming up, but the Vikings are about to retool. I said retool. The Vikings are about to rebuild. The Packers look like they're about to rebuild. So that's two teams in your division that's literally about to blow it up. Then you got Detroit coming up. But even still, the Eagles might lose some pieces. The Niners are getting up there in age. The Cardinals are not going to be good. The Rams are not going to be good. They still have to fix their offensive line. And then you look at the Seahawks. Yeah, they're going to be around. They're one of those few teams. But the Saints, they picked up their car. But what are they going to be? You know, the Bucks are done. Like, there's just so much stuff in the NFC where this is the opportunity to really come out because there's not many teams. And you make a move like this to help your quarterback. I mean, Justin Fields, you saw last year. He wasn't great play-by-play play as a passer, but he gutted out plays, 
was able to do things that he others couldn't do with their feet. They could have won a few of those games that defense was actually competent exactly. at some point. You know, that offense was able to <laughs> they score. They put up points. Yeah. yeah. Now you bring in DJ Moore, who I don't know if Darnell's the number two, but he's definitely a high-level number three. You know, he's still a speedster. He's still a guy that can get open. Now you bring in DJ Moore. I mean, this is just an A-plus for the Chicago Bears. I mean, I, me personally, being a Fields guy, I love this move for the Panthers. Whoever they get at quarterback, this is going to be the one that really settles it, whether it's AR, whether it's CJ. They have to hit on this pick because this is their franchise guy. They have to make this move, and this has to be excellent. But for the Bears, you know, getting getting their pick for next year with the Panthers, you look at that offense. It might not be good next year. Bringing in a rookie in that offense, not many weapons, not ideal. You know, bringing in some new guys. You said Terrence Marshall. We don't know what he's going to be. So it's not ideal, but for the Bears, A-plus, man. I was actually just going to ask you guys because Riv just – kind of emphasize it a little bit. Are you guys in that same same agreement? Do you think that this pick will be top 10 next year? Yeah. It depends on what the Panthers do in free agency. I'm not uh, – it's too early in the offseason to make judgments on what the record is going to be next season. Well, if you yeah, just had to say so. early prediction, nothing wrong with that. Early, Maybe, maybe around Looking 10. about it right now, very early 12. on, 8 to 12, all right. It could be 8, something like that. It is hard to say. Um, and it is also important to note, Fields, definitely not an accurate passer last year. But when he threw to Darnell Mooney, he had a 69% completion percentage. Everyone else was in the 50s. So it goes a long way when you're throwing to a guy like Equinemius St. Brown and Vilas Jones compared to yep. Darnell Mooney, who has real yep. talent. So, you know, surrounding, surrounding your quarterback with weapons is always going to help, which makes me a little bit worried about this Panthers rookie who's going to come in with Terrace Marshall, Shai Smith, uh, Deontay Foreman's a free agent who's probably their best uh, offensive player right now. So this it's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. Uh, it's much easier to find receivers nowadays than it is a quarterback. And uh, just knowing just knowing Frank Reich's history, I don't think they'll throw a rookie into the fire unless they feel comfortable in a roster they have assembled or the scheme they have assembled around that quarterback. You know, I, I think whichever way they go, they're going to make sure that the guy that they select is going to be in the best position possible to succeed. You know, I don't, Frank Reich is not the Jets. You know, we ruined Zach Wilson, unfortunately. I don't think they'll ruin their quarterback. And that's why I think we should have seen this coming. In Indianapolis, he had well, Zach eight Wilson's different. That's what you think. Casual. <laughs> no, and, and you, know, you know what I thought about? You know what I thought about? <laughs> it's interesting. You know, I love the 2021 quarterback draft class and, and what it's shaping out to be. Everybody's getting help. Trevor Lawrence gets Calvin Ridley. Justin Fields gets DJ Moore. And Zach Wilson gets Aaron Rodgers. They're all in great positions <laughs> to succeed in the future. You know, oh all of God. them are in great positions. And when talking about the Bears, you know, I don't mean a two-mile horn, but I've always been down with the calls. Always been down with the calls with the Chicago Bears making sure they succeed, giving them my prayers. Holy shit. Making sure they're on my oh mind. Oh, my God. Justin this Fields. Is such a, this Justin is one of the Fields, worst moments I'm thinking aside. Justin Fields is going to have a great season next year, Dells, and I want you to stay on that hype train because you yeah. fell off. Did, did, he, did he fall yeah. off? I, I guess so. I don't know. Dells fell off bad. <laughs> kind of like I'll how tell he you fell what, off it was, on a Tatum was... MVP Ooh. agenda. Fell off it, quick on that, buddy. It was funny when you showed it prior to the show. I was laughing. I thought you were trolling, but then you actually showed it on the show, and 
I'm in I'm in disbelief, Joel. Did you see? What I'm my, in disbelief. My, my burner account actually. I saw that shit. That people thought it was me, and it was like I've always been a believer. Drew, remember Fields rookie year when we were hyping up those games against the Steelers I do. and Packers? I do and remember. Joel was like, "Oh, he was just gimmicky. He didn't do anything." Bro, he did it. it. He's you got one of the there. slowest throwing motions I've ever seen in my life. It is a slow throw. He's not good. There was nothing impressive. He made two throws. Was his rookie year not horrifically bad? Is one of the worst statistically. It was one of the worst statistical rookie seasons ever by well, a quarterback. What dog do? But there, but right, saw, how bad was Trevor Lawrence? You never disrespected him. Trevor Lawrence was with Urban Meyer. Yeah, Urban you saw the flashes from Fields. And you threw it in the trash. You did. You said, and you and you saw Trevor Lawrence one year under the worst head coach in NFL history. And we still believe. No, you and we didn't. Still believe. No, you didn't. Well, I, we were we out on you Trevor Lawrence. You were. Yeah, no, we said Trevor Lawrence. Hey John. Hey John. Hey John. Hey John. Hey John. You want to bet? Hey John. What? Remember that clip you sent me of the Trevor Lawrence thing? Uh, of the what was it? Trevor Lawrence? Would you rather? And and we named Kyler Murray. And you said there's no way Trevor Lawrence ever becomes better than Kyler Murray. Y'all said that. Okay. You guys Kyler said Murray, before last year I took like I took Trevor I, I took Trevor Lawrence, and you guys well, said that's also when you were at the time being a generational Kyler hater, and now suddenly you're right, starting Kyler, to be like Kyler was without a doubt a top ten quarterback at the time, like but, probably eight. In yes, that's but you know he'll yes, never be yes, Kyler Murray. We said that after yes, he was one of the most yes, highly touted prospects yes, ever. Yes, John, send that to me personally. And and you know what's funny about that? You want to know what's funny about that? I said okay, maybe not this upcoming season. I still I said that I think Trevor will, will be better. But I said in five years, are you taking Trevor or Kyler? Y'all both said Kyler. Casuals, casuals. What, what man. do you what do you think Trevor's ranked right now? Like the seventh or eighth best quarterback in the league, probably. He's definitely. I think he's top six. Okay, six. Kyler was like literally seven or eight last year. So nah, we'll he have to get like past nine, the Burrows and the Allens and the uh, Mahomes is, you know. Like yeah, but I, and it's funny in how in, in, in one year, in one year, Trevor Lawrence clears Kyler. It's not even a debate. Well, Kyler no also got hurt. It's not even a debate. Towards it was nine yeah. weeks even, last even year, he, Kyler even, was the MVP. Even when he was healthy, it wasn't a debate. It was Trevor. And I uh, think well, Kyler was healthy. Trevor wasn't playing. Okay, great okay. Yet. That was moving forward. Who would you take? Trevor half, Lawrence, for sure. Moving Trevor. forward, who would you take? Trevor Lawrence. Okay, Trevor. Easy. I mean, End Kyler's coming off a torn ACL. I mean, you took you took what the L. It's, it's fine. You took the L. It's fine. You took the L. Big time L. Took Baker big Mayfield over Jalen Hurts. I don't know if you're saying that this is a big time. <laughs> I want to see the clip. Bro, bro. It up. <laughs> big time L. Baker over Jalen Hurts. Hey, listen, I was a big Baker. Zach Wilson fan. over every quarterback in the NFL. Hey, listen, Zach Wilson took, over Kyler, Kyler Murray also. You took you took Zach Wilson a lot of a, a lot of over did, a lot of guys too, Dad. I did, but I did because coming into the season I had faith. Oh, During the I, season you had oh. faith when he was dog shit. You were oh, Joel, Joel, him. stop. You're getting into muddy water here. Nah, you do, did you just did you just, did, water. did you just hear Dells? Oh, yeah, that I was took, crazy. I took Zach Wilson because <laughs> I believed he would be good. I mean, obviously, why the fuck else would I take Zach Wilson? Because I believe he would well, be you good be, too. You believed in him this year. He was definitely treated he unfairly. Sucked. He sucked. And I said, Joel, unfairly. he sucks. He was he treated said, no, unfairly. No, it's X, Y, Z. They unfairly. don't like him. This guy doesn't There's like no him. There's like He's the problem. He sucks. Hey, hey Drew. Hey, Drew. Hey, Drew. I'm just curious. Um, After the Giants beat the Vikings, was Dells not the guy to say Daniel Jones has no flaws in his game? No, he, he didn't. Did. He was spitting. Oh, and, and then, and then, wait, you were spitting. What flaws last, does he have, Joel? Hey, hey, that hey, Drew. <laughs> last week, did did I mean honestly? After that game, was Dell's not flipping the side like that on Daniel Jones? 
I'm pretty sure I said even during that game that I wouldn't pay him My for goodness. But I Flip said, aside, Devs. Please year. stop flipping aside. Come on. I, I rolled with I rolled with Zach Wilson until he was dead in the water. You know, I, I drowned with him. You don't drown on guys. Yeah, it's a bad take. It's a bad you take. don't drown on guys. I, I Listen, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But when I'm right, I'm right. We, oh, we know. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> something I was right on was Tatum not being MVP. Tatum's never going to be MVP, mm. baby. Never? He's never going to be MVP. Never? Never. never. Your, favorite, never. your favorite teams are like eighth seeds and fifth seeds and are never going to win a championship in the next five years, so it's cool. Okay. You win this, when's the last time the Celtics won a championship? You think you do you think when's the Celtics won a championship did? this year? When's the last time the Timberwolves did? Are the Celtics winning a championship this year? Did. I, I'm curious. Are the Celtics uh, winning a championship have a this year? Any of your favorite teams? No, that, that's not the question. Yeah, I, I asked, know. are you or are you not? You were so I, confident I all year that, long. Yeah. You're winning it. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> Brandon Miller has taken over another game, by the way. He's a savage. He's a savage. Yeah, because Brandon Miller's like that. And that segues perfectly into our rookie report. Rookie report. Now, listen, for NBA rookie report, what we're going to do, we're going to give a grade for each player drafted in the lottery. Then after we go through the first 14 picks, we're going to name a player that we feel deserves a lot of recognition that didn't go in the lottery but is playing very, very well. So first pick, Paolo Boncaro. What grade are you giving him? I'll start with you, John. Nice dead silence. I'm going to give Paulo Bancaro a B because the first two, three months of the season were pretty good. A awesome. B is so fucking foul, John. <laughs> He's a rookie. Oh, yeah, but the last couple of months, his efficiency has taken a pretty steady dip, and it reminds me a little bit of Anthony Edwards' rookie season where Edwards had a slow start but a killer second half. And I feel like with Paulo, it's a matter of really developing the jump shot and so far this year, that's been the biggest issue with his lack of consistency, so to speak. He is 19 years old, but I'm going to give Paulo a big, personally. And defensively, it's another thing as well. He hasn't quite been as impactful as he will be long-term. And before you go, Drew, shout-out to OG Chilltown Hoops. Of course. Of Just course. poking my head in to say love. what's up, thumbs up. Shout-out to OG. Definitely got to have him on the show. Shout-out, OG. I'm giving Very a shout Let's be clear. Who? I'm giving the Paulo Bancaro pick an A, but for his rookie season, the rookie report, we're going to give him a B. For his rookie season, I'm not giving him an A plus. I'm not giving him an A, but still, I feel like he deserves an A. He gets an A minus for the last 15 games. You're spitting. He's been super inefficient. Last 15 games, he's shooting around 40 percent from the field. It's not been ideal. Of course, the volumes there. So his points per game, he's still the league leader in those 15 games, and that's with Jalen Williams, who recently has been unbelievable still in those 15 games Paolo Boncaro is still the, le the league leader for rookies I'm going to give him an A minus for the fact that there's still a ton of responsibility being put on him and even still where we still have seen him struggle of recent it's all right to make mistakes as a rookie and it's all right if your game's not as polished as it needs to be but what he has shown you early on in his career is only something that a select few basketball players in NBA history have done it's you have Luka Doncic, you have LeBron James, and Paul Mbocaro for most points averaged as a rookie. That's how great he has Zion? been. Was Zion up there or no? Zion didn't play enough games to qualify. But at the same time, yes, John, I understand what you mean. Yes, his defense could be a little bit better. Yes, he could be a little bit more efficient. But as a rookie, for the situation that he's in, 
I can still acknowledge that he's playing very great basketball for a rookie. So I'm giving him an A minus, but an A plus number one overall selection. Um, for me, Paolo's case is pretty simple. I give him a B plus because he's one of the worst volume shooters in the NBA. Granted, okay. he is a rookie, but you got to look at the efficiency. You got to look at you got to look at it like, damn, he's he's just especially this year, just 2023. You know, he started off the year hot. But you got to remember rookies, there is no tape out on them. So he came out fuming. There is no tape. Now the tape is adjusted. He's one of the worst volume shooters in the NBA. And that's a fact. It's not it's nothing wrong with it. You know, he's a rookie. But I do – you can't get an A for me if you are one of the worst. If he was maybe middle of the pack, I could have maybe bumped it up for an A. But him being bottom of the bottom keeps him at a B-plus for me. Mr. Dells. Sorry, my, uh, my internet was lagging. I gave him an A. Listen, I get the efficiency. I understand it, especially from three. It's ugly 28%, free throw 74%. You probably want to see that even a little bit more too. But, I mean, if he's not an A, I don't know what other rookie you're going to be giving to an A. He's the 19 years old. He's the main scoring option on the Magic team who understand in 2023, maybe he's not shooting efficiently, but they've been winning more games than they have been the last couple of seasons, right? I know six-man show has been talking about – Huh? Markel Fultz. For sure. It's not he's just Paolo, but he's he's the number one scoring option, and if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't be winning these games. So I, I think his case is pretty settled. He's the favorite for rookie of the year. He should be. It's an A-plus traffic like you guys mentioned. The Magic were kind of toying with us during draft season with a couple of guys that settled on Paolo. He's by far the best rookie this season. The efficiency is going to come. I, I don't doubt that. I mean, he's a natural scorer. He has a natural stroke. He could find his spots. So, you, you know, I'm, I'm excited for his future. Let me, let me interrupt real quick. Is he by far the best rookie this season? No. Uh, no, but I think he's comfortably. He's in the, the second half of the season, he hasn't been the best rookie. By far, I would push back because that boy, Jalen Williams, is crazy. He's a dog, too, for sure. Paulo's the best rookie, but he's not the most impactful. Who's the most impactful, John? Walker Kessler. We'll talk about him, champ. We'll talk about <laughs> him. All right? Uh, Paulo's also shooting 36% from mid-range as well, where teams have dripped off him a little bit, too. So that's one thing I've noticed with his game. He can hit the mid-range, but it's a matter of mass-producing that. Paulo went on, a, went on a stretch where he hit, like, a three in 25 attempts. Yeah, no, he's yeah. He, he, he had a stretch, of like, last month where he was, like, now, these, I feel like every pick for me will be graded on a different scale. Because there's different expectations for somebody that goes 13th versus somebody that goes number one. Paolo was the first overall pick. When you're the first overall pick, you are supposed to be a franchise changer. Granted, it's not supposed to happen immediately, although we've seen first overall picks do it immediately. Given the expectation, Paolo, if you tell me in the first half of the season, A+, plus, okay, no doubt. February was rough. February was bad. Second half of the year was, uh, are, are we sure this guy is by far the best guy? Are we sure that he deserves the hype we're giving him in the first half of the season? I think those questions start to come up. He can't shoot at all. Three-point shot, mid-range, he can't shoot at all. I'm going to give him uh, an A, and I'm not giving him an A+, plus because his efficiency has been horrible, but I give him an A. I think he's still been good, and when the Magic have been healthy, they have been winning games, especially when Markel Fultz has come back into the lineup. So I'm giving this pick an A, but I don't think that the hype that was on him early on in the season uh, should still stand. I think that it's pretty clear that, you know, he's going to be a great player, but I don't know if it's 
what people are making it out to be like, you know, LeBron like where nice. his his stats were ridiculous to start the year. Number two, Chet Holmgren, NA, because he was injured. So we're gonna skip that and go to the third overall pick, which is Jabari Smith. You know, I'm gonna be honest, I gave Jabari Smith a D. Oh. Really? And if it was if it wasn't for his his latest performance. Where against, against the Pacers, the Pacers uh, it would have been an F, but that brought it up to a D. I think Jabari Smith has just been a horrible shooter. He's supposed to be a three-point shooter, and he's shooting 29% from three and 34% on wide-open field goals. So Jabari Smith just hasn't been impactful. He's been an okay defender, good sometimes, but I, I don't know how you can give this guy anything higher than a D, given he's the third overall pick in the draft. Um, I, I would have gave him an F. But then I, I doubled down and I thought about the situation. I thought about the coaching and I thought about how he doesn't have a real point guard next to him. So I'm, I am going to take that into account and be like, that helps for a big man like him, a guy who's a good pick and popper. Um, so I'll give him a D because he has been a terrible shooter. You know, offensively, he has been able to get it going. His handle is very, very, very subtle. Kind of the same things we were saying coming out of college. You know, he was shooting out of walkie shots in college shots that weren't going to translate. And then you can see that now in the league, he hasn't been translating the shooting. The handle hasn't translated at all. Um, defensively, he's okay at times. He has shown spurts where he can be a good defender, but he cannot defend the perimeter. He cannot defend guards. He cannot defend in switches. So um, for me, I'll give him a D minus. If you can even get that, he gets that. It's it's hard for me to to evaluate someone's defense. I, I get where you're coming from, Rick, because we've seen these forwards come into the league and have defensive versatility, be able to defend against bigs, be able to stretch out, get on the perimeter, defend some of these faster, quicker guards. Of course, the first one that comes to mind is Evan Mobley, but I feel like that's tough because not everyone comes in and is just – like those are the freak athletes, in well, my well, opinion. He's not a freak athlete. Is he defend- – all right, listen, call me a casual. Is he defending on the perimeter like an Evan Mobley? No, nobody is. That's he's That's Evan Mobley is like, the Western generation player. Exactly, actually, absolutely. But on the perimeter, it's you need to be agile. You need to be quick, especially with these twitchy guards. It's hard to be consistently, con- consistently sound on the perimeter. Now, it's tough in Jabari's situation because obviously you're drafted number three overall. But there's just so much development and so much lack of continuity with the Rockets too, that it's hard for me to be blatant, give him an F, give him a D. I can't give him anything higher than a, a C, C minus, but it's hard to truly evaluate Jabari's situation because you have Jalen Green and that's who it seems the Rockets want to be the their primary focus as of right now before this new draft, whether Scoop comes in, whether they get Victor, that'll be a different story. But right now, Jalen Green seems to be that priority. And then suddenly now you have Alperin Shangun who who showed that he could be a, a versatile offensive player. He can play make a bit. He can he can he can be a force down low. That more more importantly, his playmaking abilities as a big man. And then you have KPJ who also is someone that needs the ball in their hands. Riv is is 100% right. He's not a true point guard. So then you have Jabari who's now the fourth in this mix as a rookie. Yes, his shooting has not been good. You wanted to at least see some kind of flash there. It has not been good. It hasn't been consistent, Not at least not up until this point. So, yes, I understand where the criticism stem from, but I find in his position specifically, it's hard for him to, con- to get some type of continuity going. So I give him a C- due to situation, 
but you guys are more than valid to give him the harsh critiques. But I believe that I'm going to be a little bit more lenient because Houston right now is a mess and it's a joke. So I was a little bit harder on Paulo giving him a B. So I'm going to give Jabari a D himself. On the season, he's shooting 30% from three, and that was supposed to be the trait early on. Now, we could also acknowledge one thing, is that the Rockets are a fucking joke. They don't have a head coach, they don't have a point guard, and most of their young players are playing out of position. Their point guard in Kevin Porter Jr. is not a point. And so when I look at Jabari, no one's setting him up, and he has no sets running for him. And when you look at the lack of structure in Houston, it's setting up all of their young players to fail. Because you need to have veterans, you need to have mentors, but you also have to have a coach that knows how to use you properly. And for Smith, defensively, it's been there this season. He's been quality, but when you don't have many of the defensive personnel or any veterans holding you accountable on that side of the ball, it's tougher to night in and night out bring that level of engagement. Now, offensively, shooting 37% from mid-range, that's the next step in his game. Because last night, he had 30 points versus the Pacers. You see with a guy at six foot eleven that can shoot, it's a matter of taking off the dribble, attack, and closeouts. And as one of the more he's he's pretty young for a 19-year-old, he's not going to turn 20 until May. It's just a matter of seeing those necessary building blocks, passing, taking off the dribble, defensively switching, and also getting that confidence back from three point. I don't know if you guys saw this, but in high school, Shabari was a very streaky shooter then, too. He shot 32% his sophomore year from three, then 38% his junior year, and 41% in his senior season. So he's never the most consistent per se, but he did grow and develop. I think long-term, his development's going to be similar to Jaron Jackson, where in year one, it's mostly just seeing some of the defensive versatility, and he wants a three-point shooting and then take a step forward. And I have no doubt it will once they find a head coach and hopefully a real point guard. I know the, the number three. Oh, sorry. Sorry, but I know the Rockets are a joke, but Jabari's missing wide open shots. He is. You know, like the shots I not falling is 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 alarming. I understand. Like, I don't like. I understand it's a bad situation, but Jabari gets left open. He does. And he just doesn't make it. And they also don't pass to him when he's open as well, and that hurts your rhythm, hurts your confidence. Your teammates have to make those necessary passes to you, and as a shooter. That'll mess with your mental big time. And I think like if him, you're the great. Rockets, your primary focus should be Jalen Green, Jabari Smith. That's it right well, now well, in well, development. Alperin Shangun, then Jalen Green. I understand what you're Jabari. saying. No doubt. Alperin definitely has been a, a pleasant surprise for the Rockets. I get where you're coming from. But you use such high draft capital on Jabari. You feel like you don't want to mess him up more, more importantly, in my opinion. The potential with Jabari should be higher than what than what it is for Alperen Sengun. And although Alperen Sengun has been better, simply, he's been better, you understand, you use the number three overall pick. You don't want to mess up on that one. That's fair. I don't want to give him a D or an F. He's number three overall pick. If you want to take that into account heavily, I can understand maybe the lower grade. Um, I think he's shown more flashes than maybe you guys are giving credit for, especially defensively, averaging seven rebounds, a block game on a Houston team that nobody plays defense. So the fact that we could even talk about him maybe being above average defender, I think we should give him even more credit than just being above average defender. Not that he's a leader or anything by any means, but the fact that the pieces around him really don't show any effort. And it seems like the coaching staff has no real idea of how to play defense or like you guys mentioned, be a leader for this extremely young team. He's been put in a pretty difficult spot offensively it's pretty gross i mean he's shooting 39 percent from the field it it's that's pretty ugly no matter what position you play the fact that he's a big man makes it even worse um 
but I think I'd give him probably a D plus if I'm feeling good, maybe a C minus. I think there's some flashes there. I think there's something that if you're a Rockets fan, you could be excited for. Um, but I don't think you're looking at him since he is the number three overall pick. You were probably expecting him year one to be more efficient and have a bigger impact, even though we knew this Rockets team was going to go anywhere. Next pick. This is my favorite player in this draft. The fourth overall pick, Keegan Murray, a guy that everybody said was going to be a bad pick because they, you know, the Kings pass on Jaden Ivey. Keegan Murray has been one of the best rookies this year, top five for sure. And I think Super what's efficient. most impressive is that, you know, f- fine. You know, Keegan Murray could have went to a team like the Pistons and averaged 16, 18 points per game. But instead, he's playing on the second seed in the West. He's averaging 12 points. He's shooting 40% plus from three. And he's playing very good defense night in and night out. And he's been a much improved rebounder throughout the season. This pick is no doubt to me right now an A-plus pick. Because he fits exactly what Sabonis and Fox need to complement them as players. I think Monty Morris nailed this pick out of the park. Keegan Murray is an awesome player. And, yeah, he's an older prospect, but I believe that there's more to Keegan Murray's game than just being a spot-up shooter. I think that eventually he will be more comfortable putting the ball on the floor and creating his own shot. We've seen he did that in Iowa. So I think that he can develop into somebody that can be a go-to option on a team that is pretty good. Not the number one. I think within the top three options, he could definitely be that. And I think his ceiling is somewhere averaging between 18 to 22 points per game. I don't see why he can't do that. Even if he's an older rookie, he's already showing flashes. He's efficient on a winning team, and he hits big-time shots, and he's a big-time player. So Keegan's the most NBA-ready rookie, but you're looking at him with some rose-colored glasses. Give him an A-plus, bro. Why is he not an A-plus this year? defensively he has not been that good enough to warrant it and while he's been an amazing shooter he's not doing that much on the ball i think to warrant that just yet but they don't need him to be on the ball like that yeah i mean is he not a plus john have to warrant something pretty insane john no it doesn't i mean shooting 40 something percent from three is pretty insane as a rookie that's insane I mean, for the pick, for example, John, let me ask you, because now you're really just being disrespectful to Keegan Murray. (laughs) (laughs) Let me ask you something, John. What did the Kings need Keegan Murray to do? Movement, shooting, playing off the ball, and he's been excellent in that role. Okay, he's been what? A-plus in those roles. A-plus, my friend. So so the roles... Clear-cut rookie of the year. no, it's not. It's for the A-plus is for the fit. It's your team. John, I understand What are you supposed to do for the team? Top five pick. Yeah, that's also another point. He's been a top five pick, and he's he's lived up to all that. He's shooting 40% from three. He's He defends well, and he is quite literally doing everything Sacramento needs him to do for the team. He does all those things. I think John is pushing back because you said – the the all the creation now uh, he can be like the the advancement in his game and John he doesn't need to yeah, but John said all John said was he hasn't shown that in his game to warrant that he's been an A plus pick for the Kings I mean the Kings the, yeah. the Kings made this pick the Kings needed him to fulfill a role he's fulfilled that role at an A plus level I agree I don't think anybody else could have done it you know I, I think he definitely he, I, he gets an A for me I think he coming in he was able to fit right next to Sabonis right next to Fox he was able to plug in. You know, like you, like John mentioned, he was the most NBA-ready prospect. You know, three-year player, 
you know, he's very well polished coming out. So him being a good shooter defensively, I mean, he the attempt is there. So it's like you see he works hard. He tries. It's just he's not that good yet. That's fine. You can work on that offensively. Like John mentioned, I don't think he's shown enough on ball, but he doesn't need to. You know, they got Fox, they got Herder, they got Monk, they got Sabonis. So he doesn't really need to do that at the moment. So he hasn't shown a lot of flashes. But as a shooter, he's been pretty much damn near elite as a rookie. You know, like and it's, it's going to be tough because this is kind of like high, high. So some people like it, it, there's no high you can get as a shooter from this. He's pretty much at an elite clip. But what he's done for them, them to be a number two seed. Yeah, I get mad. I mean, listen, Riv, I want to I want to say this to what you said. Throughout the year, the growth has been there early in the year. He wasn't rebounding. Well, Mike Brown said we need him to be better. He's rebounded better. As of late, Mike Brown has said Keegan Murray has shown he can put the ball on the floor. He needs to be more comfortable in doing that. And he's been doing that. He's been putting the ball on the floor more often and he's more comfortable at creating for himself now. And not to mention, when teams force a bonus right, who's there to who's who does the bonus kick it out to? I didn't never said that right left shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, John, when they force a bonus right and Sabonis can't use his right hand, you know, Keegan is there to save the day for him with three points. Save the day's crazy. <laughs> no, that connection has been special this year. They have a great telepathy. And I think Keegan, with his maturity, playing two years at Iowa, he knows the time when to cut, when to make a backdoor slip. And I think he's an A, but I push back because defensively the Kings stink, and he's been a part of that. He's a high-effort defender. He's smart. He's got good hands and a knack for the ball, but he's a little bit more heavy-footed, and he's not this like premier wing defender. If he was, then Kevin Herter wouldn't be taking those matchups more often than him. But, John, do you not think – because question, I've seen – you know, and I don't watch as much as Joel, so Joel's probably seen more. Maybe he got a piggyback off it. I've seen them put Keegan on some pretty tough assignments. Or you do. think you think maybe that's you kind of like you know, as a rookie, him being guard. Like I've seen him guard Paul George for for games. Like so, do you think him being on elite players, you're kind of being a little too nitpicky that as a rookie, he's not able to defend star players at a high level. I just think you have to be flawless to get an A plus. No. Yeah. I don't think so. Is, um, really good. I, this I is mean, also coming from the guy who gave Paolo a B. So I understand he's being a little bit more strict on these players. But the only thing I'll say to you, John, no, which is, again, which is fine. But the one thing I'll say to you is be a little bit more lenient to these guys who are first-year players. Understand that it takes some adapting into the NBA. And for Keegan to come in, for him to be a crucial part, a, a, a key piece to what Sacramento is of the second team in the Western Conference, you need to give credit where credit is due. If you don't want to give him an A plus, but you but you're still giving him an A, that's where I still have some issues. Like, where's, where, where's the strong pushback? What like why such the whoa? Why why are we doing this? The one comment you said that made a lot of sense to me was that if you're giving him an A plus, that means he's rookie of the year. I think that that was a fair point. But other than that, if you're gonna give him an A, still John, then I can't have too much pushback on him giving him an A plus. Truthfully. And Riv mentioned something great. Keegan Murray is oftentimes on the best offensive player on the opposing team. That's a fact. It's either him or Harrison Barnes. As a rookie, he's taking on that matchup. And if you want to laugh at him for getting cooked by those guys, then okay, be my guest. But Keegan Murray has quite literally been one of the positives defensively on a team that's not good defensively. He has yeah, been a positive. Few, no doubt. He has been a positive. It's not a high bar. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you have Sabonis on the on the back Bro, end protecting the rim, it it you know it's 
it's harder to defend. You know, you don't have you don't have players. You don't have a player that's deterring shots. I just think, John, you have to remember, like coming out of Keegan was a big man in college, so he was guarding big men in college, and now he's coming into the league guarding wings that are not big men. They are different ball handlers. They move differently. So it's a, it's a different transition as to where he was quick enough to guard bigs in college. He was quick enough to guard the wings in college. But now in the NBA, they're faster, they're stronger, they have better handles. They're just different They're just different beasts. So the adjustment, it's going to take some time, you know. But he's there. Like like you said, he's a high-effort guy. And, like, he's you see the effort. He's there. He's picking guys up full court. He's there at the half-court line. He's there. It's just these are star players we're talking about. I just man, John just went from a Kings guy to just everything about the Kings is not good enough. I, I don't know if he's that? a Kings guy. I don't know if he's a Kings guy. He still because he, 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 he did. He did. Can I comment on that? I've been yeah, labeled as this Kings hater for my take on forcing Sabonis right in the playoffs, and also saying that they, they, were they don't you. have a chance against they were Dallas. For that. That's we'll also come back to that in April. And here was my thing with that take. Number one is because of Luca. Number two. The Mavericks have looked so bad recently. The Kings can win that series. I've changed my tune. I overreacted right. that. You know, we all have out Lowry. me, that was not Lowry's performance, you know. We'll go back to the drawing board. We'll come back. <laughs> I am the one who's made Kings videos all year long and had them making the playoff. And I've had people clowning me from August. You got to you gotta ride. You got to ride for them. That's why. You do got to ride. You're not a rider, John. That's the issue. I'm an honest. You gave John all this shit for giving Keegan Murray an A. I, I gave him an A, too. I mean, not just the best three-point shooting rookie, but one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA period. He's on pace, or maybe he broke the record already for most threes made by by rookie Donovan Mitchell, held that record. Um, if not, he's going to break in the, in the upcoming weeks. The fact that he's doing this on a winning team, I get the defense. That's fine. Nobody on the Kings really plays defense. I mean, defense is hard to be. A, a bonus. Respect him. Guy, when no one else around you is really making a ton of effort defensively as well. So, like Joel mentioned, his opening monologue, the Kings draft him to fit a role, and he has fit that role absolutely perfectly. There has been nothing more you could have possibly asked for for Keegan Murray to come in and shoot forty-one percent for three from three and be a key contributor contributor to one of the best Kings seasons, regular seasons we have ever seen. It's in my lifetime. For sure, yeah, yeah, easily that I've seen. Now let's go on to the fifth overall pick. It's Jaden Ivy, Mr. Ivy. Now the first guy that's gonna go first is Riv to talk about Jaden Ivy. So what <laughs> what grade are you giving Jaden Ivy? Oh, he gets a B plus A. You know, I'll okay, because um, you know, Jaden Ivy is a funny guy. Um, I picked him to win Rookie of the Year, but that was just me being a fan. You know, I love Jaden Ivy's game. He's so great for me, but um. Just his month by month improvement, you know, as a playmaker, as because coming into the season, he wasn't going to play point guard. You know, he was supposed to play off the ball. Cade was going to be the one, you know, they're going to try to, you know, sample that, experiment with that. And I think, you know, that was his role coming in. He thought he was going to do that. Cade goes down with an injury, they experiment with killing a little bit, but then they're just like, fuck it. Jaden Ivey, you're going to play point guard and you're going to learn how to play point guard. Ever since then, I mean, this guy, in terms of his poise to the game, in terms of him, his approach, you know, the way he's been able been able to penetrate defenses, the way he's been able to see defenses, you know, communicate with his teammates and just pick apart defenses. I think the improvement month by month, week by week, game by game has been probably one of the most underrated improvements in the game. I think him, he has improved the most out of all the rookies. He just hasn't had the best, you know, he hasn't had the best allies. I mean, Keegan's one of the best on the number two uh, team. Paolo had the 
early start, historical start. Jay Nivey doesn't have those two things, but what he does have is he has that steady improvement in his game. I mean, defensively, statistically, he's not one of the best defenders in the league, but as a rookie, he's tasked with guarding, you know, the tougher guards. And that guard position is the toughest in the league. But Jaden Ivey, man, I mean, like, for me, B plus A, because he didn't start off strong. He still struggles as a shooter. But in terms of penetrating the basket, that floater, getting to the basket, you know, his ability to penetrate for his teammates. I mean, his, his connection with Duran is I love it. You know, I can't wait to see it. Wiseman has got there. He's played well. That connection has been there. And I'm just happy for Jaden Ivey that he continues to improve. So, for me, I give him a B plus A minus, definitely. For me, Jaden Ivey gets – a B, B plus. I can't give him that A for the sole fact that he's been inefficient really all season. And even this last month where he's really showed a lot more as a playmaker, which is what I've been most pleased about with this game and why I'm giving him such a, a, a solid grade is really that his playmaking has taken a step up, especially on a Pistons team. That is not that good. That is not full of a lot of talent. Riv mentioned it a little bit. His connection with Duran solid. Wiseman's come in. He's given them some positive minutes. But really what stands out is that he came in and he was supposed to be a tweener. He was supposed to be that point guard, shooting guard. You don't really know what he is. He's more so a scorer than he is a passer. But really what he's done and he's maximized his opportunity now. And I, I want to carefully word this. And I don't want to say it's a good thing that Cade Cunningham got hurt because that's obviously not a benefit for the game at all. But in this sense, Cade Cunningham getting injured allowed – Jaden Ivey to to be forced into playing the point guard because the ball was consistently going to be put into his hands. It was going to consistently be put on him to facilitate this offense. And he could have done one of two things. He could have taken that and he could have crumbled. He could have shown that he's not really a point guard. He's really primarily a scorer. He could have done that. But really what he's done is a great job of incorporating his teammates and trying to get them involved. The Pistons aren't good. They still have their ways to go, no doubt about it. But what one thing you can take away from it is that next season you have your point guard and that's Jaden Ivey next season. You have your shooting guard, small forward because of his height, because of that versatility that he gives you, that's Cade Cunningham. You don't have to force Cade Cunningham to be the point guard. If he doesn't want to, you can primarily have him be that scorer. And right now where it's stemming, where it's, excuse me, right now where it's heading towards is that the Pistons will have a high draft pick because they are one of the worst teams in the league. If you bring in Victor Wembanyama, of course, that's an automatic bonus. This team definitely becomes exciting. Scoot now becomes one of those players. Do you go Scoot or do you go Brandon Miller? We had this conversation in our group chat. I, before listening to you guys, was under the impression that, hey, you just automatically go to Scoot. You go best available. But really, because of Ivy and his ability to play the point guard, now there comes flexibility. And now you can go with a Brandon Miller who, hey, it's not – insane to say that he could be better than Scoop because of the show that Brandon Miller has put on this season at Alabama. So now you have your point guard in Jay Nivey, your two in Cade Cunningham, and now your three in Brandon Miller. Now you actually have a foundation that you can continue to build off of. So for Jay Nivey, he's done a great job. For me, I'm going to stick around a BB plus. Yeah, and uh, sorry, just quickly want to jump in to piggyback off that. I I I've seen a lot of Pistons fans, you know, you know, you get Scoop, figure it out. Get Scoop, figure it out. You know, he's generation. And I listen, I get it. You know, like people assume it's the choosing Ivy over Scoop thing. But what people got to understand is you got to watch Brandon Miller. And then what you got to really do is you got to sit here and look at Cade. Like you bring in Scoop, you are now putting three guys that are 
basically guards and you're making them share the ball with each other. Why would you want that? Brandon Miller can play off the ball. He can play all ball. He's the best shooter out of all four of them. He can space the floor. He can be a great open look guy for Cade to penetrate the basket, for Ivy to penetrate the basket. I just think, like, when you look at Cade and you look at Ivy and you look at Ivy's improvement, yes, Scoop could probably end up being better down the road than Ivy, but I think a trio of Ivy, Cade, and Miller could be really, really special, and that's a big trio. So it's like that. that's like a, a small trio with Scoot, Ivy, Cade. You, now you're force feeding, you're forcing Cade to play the three. I don't really want to do that. That's just my opinion on it. Yeah, Brandon Miller would be the pick. He's been the best player in college this year. I think in A for Jane Ivy's rich because defensively, while he is a rookie, he hasn't been good. He struggled off ball, and he's still learning. I have to give him credit, though, because the Pistons are just throwing him out to the walls this year without Cade. And he was a shooting guard coming in, and we've seen that playmaking growth. He's getting the foul line five times a game. Now the efficiency isn't quite there from the field at 41%, but it's been a learning process. He struggled, but he's shown some amazing highlights, amazing like signs of growth throughout this year, as you talked about, Riff, getting better and better. And if this helps him get Victor Wimbanyama, let's say, in the draft, him getting these growing pains out early, I think are going to pay off big time for Detroit. So what was, what was your grade for him, John? Uh, that's a good point. I'm going to give him a B minus. B minus. Okay. okay. I was curious. You didn't give him an A. <laughs> um, that's a good nice point. Rating. That shit is funny. <laughs> I think uh, I gave Ivy an A. I mean, I think a lot of this has to do with situation. We talked about it with Jabari Smith, um, you know, being on the Rockets. And Ivy is basically in the same position. He's on a Detroit Pistons team who sucks, who doesn't play defense. I mean, there's there's not a bunch of things you could look for at this at this Pistons team. you got guys like Duran and Ivy, and Wiseman's had some moments here and there for them, but even still trade deadline pickup. But overall, this is, this is not a good team. So the fact that Cade Cunningham goes down, and, I mean, that is your pride and joy, number one overall pick. Ivy steps in. He's the primary ball handler, the facilitator of this offense, and you weren't expecting that. Ivy was not coming into this year expecting to be the guy to run points, to be the main facilitator of this team, and he's come in. And he's done a pretty good job. I mean, averaging 15, 5, and 4. The one area you would like to see him improve is turnovers. He's averaging three turnovers per game. But again, since this is a bit of an unexpected situation for him, I do want to cut him some slack there. He isn't the most efficient, like Drew mentioned as well, but I think he puts pressure on the rim really well. He was averaging six points per drive. Last time I, uh, I saw a stat about two weeks ago, six points per drive, which was the tops amongst all rookies. Um, and he has improved as a player. Maker. He's averaging, excuse me, in his last three games, last six games, he has three games of 10 or more assists. So you can see his improvement month to month. Um, I think overall, you have to be happy with him for the situation he was put into. And then next year, as you guys mentioned with their future draft picks, um, you know, probably getting top five, top four pick if they could get a guy to compliment IV and Cade. That does seem like the best situation rather than going with someone like Scoot, who might be the best overall player available. So for me, I'm giving Jaden Ivey a B. I think that early in the season, he wasn't the most efficient. I think really in the last 20 games, he's picked it up. He's averaging 16 and 6 in his last 20 games. He's been a better playmaker. He's been all around just more efficient. So that's why I'm giving him a B. Obviously, circumstance, situation matters. And Cade going down has allowed him to handle the ball even more. The Pistons are a team that I think they've taken a lot of calculated risk. Jaden Ivey was a good player to fit alongside Cade Cunningham. You traded for James Wiseman, and James Wiseman's points have went up, and Jaden Ivey and him have built a connection early on already. 
They have Jalen Duran, which I thought was a great pick. There's a lot of good talent. And I think Troy Weaver is taking good risks and, and betting on guys upside. Trading Sadiq Bay for James Wiseman was a good move. Sadiq Bay is, I don't think, not a positive, impactful player. And James Wiseman, at least now, he's showing some of the potential that we all thought he would flash consistently in Golden State in Detroit. But I'm giving Jaden Ivey a B. Six overall pick, Benedict Matherin. What is his grade? Go ahead, Drew. I need you to go first. All right. Well, because recently of these last 15 games, there's a reason why in my rookie ladder I've had Jalen Williams leapfrog Benedict Matherin. I know I'm not alone in that belief. Benedict Matherin over these last 15 games, his his points per game has gone down pretty pretty drastically, where now he's averaging 16 points per game on the season. But in these last 15 games, he's been around 12 points per game. And really – I would still give him I would still give him a B plus. I would borderline give him an A minus. He's been fantastic, absolutely. But the only reason that's been holding me back from giving him that A that he deserved, being that six man off the bench for Indiana, was because he just could not keep that level of play up. And I sound like John a little bit here as I'm I'm listening to myself speak and I'm being a little bit hypercritical of a rookie, <laughs> understanding that it takes it takes times to, to get adjusted to the NBA when you could come in, you could be hot, similar to how we saw Paolo Blancaro, and, and you could dominate, take the league by storm, and you get that praise. For the majority of the season, the top two rookies had been Paolo Blancaro and Benedict Matherin. And Benedict, over these last couple of games and these last couple of months, he has not been that same – Not let me not say dominant. He hasn't been that much of a volume scorer as he's been or as he was early in the season. So for the fact that he's kind of – not been as explosive in that aspect. I am going to give him a B plus, but no doubt about it. He has been fantastic. He has been a great number six overall selection for the Indiana Pacers, but I'm just going to not, I'm going to ease off because he's not that same dominant score that we saw earlier this season. So he's currently out with an ankle injury from a couple of nights ago. I wonder if that, how long it's going to roll out for, because Indiana is in a tough position where, you lose a bunch of games. Maybe that can help yourself in the draft, get a little bit of a better draft out at the very least. I'm going to give Bandict a B as well. His efficiency hasn't been the best this year, 31% from three, 42% from the field, 16 points per game, but the flashes from him. Defensively, what he can be is a smothering defender, and what his game reminds me of is a little bit of Jalen Brown, same size, more of a three-point shooter, I want to see him the same way we talk about Anthony Edwards develop that in between game. And that's going to be the biggest thing in his development because as a three point shooter, an athlete in transition, getting to the rim, he'll pummel you, he'll rip it out your hands. I mean, this is a physical specimen. I love watching his motor and really next year for Indiana, depending on what they get in the draft, hopefully a quality wing like Bram Miller. I think Benedict can really fill out as the perfect number three, doing a little bit of everything, but taking over games and big stretches. He's clutch, really clutch. I think Benedict has shown flashes this year, but it was very early early on. I don't think he's been a good defender. I think he's shown motor, but he he has been a negative defensively. I'm giving Matherin a C. I'm giving oh. him a C because in October he averaged 20 points. He shot 43% from the field, but he's had a lot of off months. December he averaged 15 points per game. February 13, March, he's averaging nine points per game. And his three-point percentage has gone down. To start the year in October, he shot 43% from the, from the three. November was 39%. December, 21%. January, 27%. February, 31%. March, 11%. 
Benedict Mathern has just not gotten better throughout this season. He started as a guy that could challenge Paolo for rookie of the year, and he's just solely been forgotten about. I look at that, and then I also look at the fact that he's coming off the bench, so he's not going up against starters uh, that often. He should be more efficient. He should be better. And to me, I feel like his game is really limited to taking wild three-point shots and just taking spot-up wild three-point shots. And, John, you just messed that up. I saw that. <laughs> his game is limited to taking those type of shots. I, I, Matherin has the athleticism to really to, to slash and be a good slasher, but I don't think he's shown that a consistent enough basis for me to warrant that. I see that upside in him, no doubt about it. I think he's shown he, – it's like the old scouting thing. If he's done it once, he can do it again. But he hasn't done it consistently enough for me to say, you know what, he's going to be that. To me, he feels like somebody that's a, that's a spot-up shooter right now who can occasionally drop to the basket, but it's not something I'm comfortable in him doing consistently. A C, uh, is, a C was rude. I was shocked to hear a tough. C. That is tough. The C is warranted. Um it's tough because you mentioned it. Matherin comes up the bench, and so a lot of times he plays the four for them, you know. So playing the four, six, seven, wing, rookie, you know, um, he he puts a lot of pressure on the rim. He's a really good rebounder, strong, athletic. I, I do like the Jalen Brown comp because physically they were built around the same coming out. Um, I'll give him a I'll give him a B minus. You know, I, I do think the shooting is damn near non-existent. Uh, the defense, he's more of a he, – he's a high – he's a big motor guy. He, he's one of those – he looks like he can play defense, but he's not that good on that end yet. Uh, and But I think for Indiana, as of lately, you know, you mentioned the injury. I just think Halliburton has just been on a different tear. So it hasn't been asked of Matherin to do a little bit too much because Matherin – I mean, because Halley's just been on another tear. But um, that team is also built kind of weird anyways. So Matherin's start probably wasn't going to last throughout the year. But I'll give him a B minus because he what he did show was he can put a lot of pressure on the rim. He's a physical freak. Um, he can he's a great rebounder in a small ball lineup, and that's a lot of things you want to see. So I'll give him a B minus. You get B minus, sir? Yeah, I give him B minus. I think I'm probably close to what Drew is, probably around that B B plus range. Um, I understand month by month he hasn't been as efficient, but for all rookies, I kind of like to see what you were at your peak and what you can be in the future. I think his, his future, I mean, I think he'd be more than just spot-up shooter. The fact that he's averaging 17 as a rookie, Riv mentioned the rebound, 17-4. Um, offensively, I don't think there's too many questions around his game. I think we've seen it. Even though it was earlier on in the season, rookie of the year was in conversation. Sixth man of the year was also in conversation as a rookie. So I, I think for this Pacers team, sixth overall pick, looking back on it, there are a couple guys that maybe, um, I mean, Jalen Williams really the only one that really stands out. That would be an obvious one. But I think for the sixth overall pick with the guys that went around him, I think if you're pretty happy with, with what he's done so far, um, you know, it's a pretty good Pacers team as well. He has Tyrese there, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald. So there's already some veterans in there that are in place that these top five picks, some of them don't have to deal with, like on the Magic and the Rockets and the Pistons, where it can more so be their show. But for Benedict Matherin, he has to kind of come in and fit what's around him. He already has guys who are established on this team. So the fact that he did it pretty seamlessly and the Pacers were winning games for a good portion up until Tyrese Halliburton got hurt. So I'd give him probably a BB plus. Did everybody give their grade? I'm like 99% sure everybody yeah, gave Okay, what was your grade, John? A D? <laughs> give him a B. Okay, good. 
So I gave him a C. Dells gave him a B plus. Riv gave him a B B B B plus. Andrew gave oh, him yeah, a B. B minus. B minus. B minus. Okay. Now moving on to the seventh pick, and then we're gonna take an intermission. Shaden Sharp averaging seven point nine points per game, basically eight points per game. What grade does Shaden Sharp get? Somebody who hasn't played consistent minutes this year. When he he definitely has a bunch of flashy highlight dunks that have made their airwaves through the entire internet. What grade does he get? You want to go, John? Looks like you're excited to go. So I'm probably the highest out of anybody here on Shaden. I've called him a, a future All NBA player potentially. For this year, I'm going to give Shaden a C plus, maybe a B minus if I'm really feeling giddy about it. Because for as much flashes as he's shown athletically, I mean, the 48 inch vertical, you can see it. The other week, he hit his head on the bottom of the backboard in a lob. He's also shooting 65% at the rim. He's got the best mid range game of all of these players we've talked about around 43% this year. Shaden has a three level scoring package, but he has been lost. And that's what we should expect. He didn't play a single game at Kentucky. He came straight out of high school. He may lack some discipline. And like any 19 year old guard, I mean, you're not going to know how to play off the ball. And for him on a Portland team that's trying to win games, I'm not going to hold against him that he's maybe even behind the curve. I think his skill set speaks for itself. And we've seen too many of the positives this year for me to give him anything lower than a C. Um, okay, John, I'll level with you. I think I can give him a C plus too. Because uh, like you said, he hasn't had like consistent minutes. But what you have seen from him is a guy who can defend when, he, when given the right motor right attempts he can defend a guy who has a nice stroke nice form uh he can definitely shoot the ball the handles are there the athleticism is through we, we don't got to speak on that the athleticism is through the roof um so somebody who can definitely he's a really good cutter he's an underrated cutter for a rookie you know he he you said he's lost he's probably lost in the defensive end but offensively he just knows how to be in the right spot he knows how to track the ball in the air too underrated part of the game definitely a skill he knows how to do that so I'll give him a C plus because just the minutes are consistent, but he still seems like the game is coming a little slow to him. But in the right, in his right moments, you know, playing and plus you got to think too. He's playing next to Dame. He's playing with Simons, Nurkic at times. You know, uh, Jeremy Grant. So it's not going to be a lot of opportunities for him. He, but he finds his way with putbacks. You know, cutting the cutting in space. You know, being able to hit open shots. So I'll give him a C plus definitely. I'm in the same realm as you guys. And, John, I, I find it very uh, coincidental. You're very lenient on Shaden Sharp, who happened to be your guy, um, <laughs> but it just seems to be a little bit more harsh on these other rookies. But I will level with you here. You made a very valid point. He did not play basketball at Kentucky. He barely played college in high school. Uh, he barely played basketball in high school as well. So it's been some time for from him to actually lace him up and play on a basketball court. And for what he has done this season as a rookie, there are some positives. Yes, Riv spoke a lot of facts also. There's not much opportunity. And for the limited opportunity, he does seize it. Um, but you you know what you want out of Shaden Sharp. There was the conversation of because of how athletic he is, because of the, the versatility that he brings and, and how versatile he can be as a scorer, that you were anticipating him to be a higher draft pick than he was. But then that started to fall off because – they didn't think that he lacked commitment to the game. So he's he's been answering a lot of those those haters this season very in his own way for the limited opportunity that he has had. So, yes, I'm going to stick around that C, C-plus range. 
that great is it could go up, of course, given the fact of who, what he can be. We see the potential that that he has in his offensive game. And due to his athleticism, that's another big reason why I still remain confident in his ability. So I'm going to stick around that CC plus range. When it comes to Shaden Sharp, it's he hasn't played enough for me to give him a low grade, for me to give him a high grade. Okay. I think he's in the middle. He's at a C for me. I just it's funny how he doesn't have any opportunity, but the Blazers are not a good team. The Blazers are not a good team. The reason why Dame is averaging career high in points per game is because their team quite literally is not good, and they have to have him do that. Shaden Sharp, I don't think I've seen the superstar flashes that John has seen. I've seen him. I think that he can be a solid player, though, and he has the athleticism that maybe one day he puts it all together and the upside is there. But I haven't seen more from Shaden Sharp than I've seen from somebody like Dyson Daniels, who is the very next pick in this draft. Real quick. So I'm leaning on Shaden because we have to grade these guys in the curve. Joel, you didn't see any star flashes from Anthony Simons in his rookie season or second season or his third because these guys don't play in college. It takes them a little bit longer to develop. I think you're being very disrespectful to this man Shane right here. I, I, I called Anthony a star very early on. That was my guy. Well, you could have said back in 2019 <laughs> that Josh Hart was better than Anthony Simons back then. So, oh, he brought it up. Oh, he brought up your tweet. Wait, what did he say? Yeah, I don't know what he said, bro. I really don't. <laughs> Josh Hart was better in 2019 in the second season. Anthony Simons was. So, when did I? You can apply that same logic. Did I, did I say that though? Did I say that? I never, I never said Jayden. nothing like that. No, I'm Rib saying knows... I made that point four years ago. The way you just did Dyson oh. versus Jaden. Well, Riv knows I've been an Anthony guy. I've been on Anthony for a while. Yeah, I, I hate that you always have to bring me up, but yes, you have been on Anthony Simons. No, because Drew acts like he wants to take credit for Anthony. I've been you on You just Anthony. hated on him, and that was on Drew you. Was taking... I hated on Anthony. Yeah. Drew is yeah, definitely Anthony guy. Drew definitely is. I didn't appreciate it. I hated on Anthony. How? You fell off. Sorry, bro. I fell off for saying that he's in a similar tier as Tyler Hero. No, it's not what you said, and you know it. I, I said, I said, between, Let's rate I said him. between playmaking, I don't want to hear it. Tyler Hero and Anthony is similar. I don't want to hear it. What's your grade for Shaden Sharp, Dales? Thank you. Drew is trying to skip over me. Um, I apologize. It's been pretty consistent for Sharp, both play-wise, literal play-wise, and also playing time. Um, he has some games where you look at the stat sheet, he played 28 minutes, and the next night he plays 13 minutes. So it is pretty difficult. I do think Sharp might be on a different curve than the first guy, like John mentioned, the first six guys ahead of him. Um, just because, especially as a rookie, especially Sharp, who didn't play in college or didn't play last year, the fact that you're not getting inconsistent minutes, it's going to be more difficult to get into a groove, get into a rhythm, and really feel like a contributor to this team. Um, I think his raw stats are decent enough, right? If somewhat efficient, 47% from the field, 35% from three for a rookie. You know, you'll take that. Obviously not as impactful as the guys above him like Apollo or some below him like a Jalen Williams. But I think for what we were expecting from Sharp his rookie season, which was a ton of athleticism, he's going to jump off the screen. I mean, you see highlight after highlight of his head being at the rim, um, whether that's in transition or cutting to the rim. I think there's moments in Sharp's game that you could see why he was drafted this high and you could see why the future is bright. Um, the, the next step is really going to be more polished on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, maybe more of like a half court setting where it's not, he's not so reliant on his athleticism. It's more so breaking down the defense. Um, but overall for not playing last year, I'm probably somewhere between a C plus and B minus. 
next player is Dyson Daniels. And for me, I didn't give him a grade because I don't think I've seen enough from him to give him a grade. I agree. And if it was, yeah. I'd give him a C. I'd give him the same grade as Shaden Sharp. I think he's in that kind of tier right now. So before we go on to the next half of these players and grading these rookies, a quick word from Athletic Greens. AG1. Athletic Greens, you know, AG1 is a sponsor of this show. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you go to athleticgreens.com slash pick a side. That's athleticgreens.com slash pick a side. AG1 is very easy to use. You just take one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing each morning. Get all your nutritional needs. And I know, Drew, you've been using AG1 while you go to the gym. And earlier, before we started this podcast, you showcase your muscles and your growth and what AG1 has done for you. I'm getting jacked. Shout out to my guys <laughs> over at AG1 at Athletic Greens, to be honest with you. It's it really – that's what's been happening. I'm in, I'm in Orlando right now, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, and, and breakfast just – it's not the same without my AG1, to be completely Didn't transparent. Didn't take it on the plane, bro? You didn't I bring the travel it. packs? Fold, bro, God forbid you have the powder. You know what I mean? Uh, travel you packs, get yeah. Bro, but you, you have the travel packs. You yeah, gave I me – you blessed me. You blessed me. You gave me the big AG1 container, and that's been a blessing. But, but – Breakfast is not the same without my my AG1. Just to be honest with you, I just feel so much better. My stomach feels so much better. I feel I feel like I'm getting the right nutrients, the right supplements to my body just with one scoop. That's really all I need. And so that's the one thing and one of the few things I'm looking forward to when I get back home. And it does taste very good. AG1 does taste amazing. If you it, if you do it the right way, mwah. you get all your nutritional needs for three dollars a day, basically. So if you guys want to use AG1. The description is in our bio. They're giving a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Remember, that's athleticgreens.com slash pickaside. Link is in our description down below. Now, part two of the NBA Ricky Report picks eight through 14, nine through 14. Number nine, Jeremy Sohan. This is interesting. Jeremy Sohan, for me, is a player that I'm very intrigued with. He's catching my eye. I love his hairstyle. I occasionally bump into his TikToks that he makes with Malachi Branham. They're very entertaining, very cool and swaggy. I love their outfits. Jeremy Sohan, I'm going to give him a C plus. I was thinking about bumping that up to a B. He's averaging 10 to 5 and 2. And the, the most intriguing part about his game is, is how he was shooting 45% from the free throw line with two hands, switches to one-handed free throws, and since that switch, he's shooting above 80% from the free throw line. He's somebody that can defend, he can rebound, he can score, he's been better at spotting up and shooting. He's a Swiss Army Knife player, and I think that he's going to develop into somebody that we look at and say that that's a winning player. Oh, you want to go, John? You look more. You look excited to talk about this one. You go first. I was <laughs> wrong about him. You're right. <clears throat> You're wrong about a lot. Um, <laughs> oh my God, I'll give I'll give Jeremy. Uh, I'll give him a C plus. I think the improve like improving for a rookie mid year, especially like when you improve later in the year, I think it's huge. It, but it's also hard because like you know Jeremy, like you said, 
switched his hands on the, on the free throw motion, but he's he's improved in every facet, like as a defender, as a playmaker, you know, scoring the ball, creating an, uh, an open space. So I definitely give him a C plus, especially in that San Antonio system where we haven't seen Pop really fall in love with rookies too often, like he's fallen in love with Jeremy. I think they've built a pretty good connection. So I, and I and I do like Jeremy as a player, as a a bit of a jack of all trade. I want to say I, I would definitely call him something like that. So I'll give him a C plus because, you know, of the few times I have watched him, he's been good. But it is hard to watch San Antonio games. So, yeah, no, I'll be very transparent. It is very tough to to watch San Antonio basketball because San Antonio basketball right now is is not good by any means. And they're in strong competition for that number one overall selection for for a reason. But at the minimum, you can give credit where credit is due. And one of the few positives that you do look at with this Spurs team is Jeremy Shohan and, and his rookie season that he has had this year. What has been very, very great to see is that he struggled to start off the season offensively, could not really find himself, but slowly but surely he'd, he'd come a little bit more com- more comfortable on the court. His confidence is clearly there. Last 15 games to bring that free throw percentage to 80%. You absolutely love to see that. Of course, the three-point shot's just not there at this point in time. That's something that I do look – for him to 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 work on to to develop to strengthen in his game, but his ability to to be a defender to be versatile, six nine, you really can't ask for much more for what he's brought to you as a rookie with the Spurs. At least you understand that hey, we hit on that selection. We can we can use him to be a part of this foundation that we want to build for the future. But I'm sure the Spurs are are looking for a game changer this upcoming season. So. To stay on Jeremy Shohan, I'm going to stick with a, a C plus B minus because of the improvements that we've seen periodically throughout this season. Man, you guys are sleeping. I think he's one of, if not the most improved rookie. Fun fact: in the first 24 games of the season, Jeremy shot 42 percent at the foul line. Since switching the thing up, last 29 games, he's shooting 80 percent at the foul line. Just that. We're not you sleeping, John. You're just not listening. Exactly that. That. I did say Sorry, that. John, yeah. just go ahead. You got caught. You got caught. You got caught. <laughs> I was looking it up. I must have tuned someone out. So I think he's been the most improved, not only for the three throw growth, but also his scoring as well. He's showing a lot of ball handling flashes, a lot of passing chops. And early on in the season, he was raw. I'm going to give him a B, maybe a B minus, because his versatility on the ball. Specifically, transition play. I mean, he has been one of the most fascinating rookies for what he could be down the line. I'm sorry about that, though, Joel. I thought I didn't know you had the numbers. Hey, John. I always got the numbers. Fix that guy. John, you've done this twice already, two or three times. You said we're sleeping, yet you give a grade that's like a a, a letter high. I gave him a. What did he give? What did he give him? B. B, I gave him a minus. Yeah, I gave him a B minus. So, so calm it down over there, John. Like, you're sleeping on this podcast wake up sleepy john <laughs> sleepy joe unfortunately um, the the next pick won't be this this uh enticing but dells give you a grade yeah i give him a b listen he's uh offensively you know he definitely has some work to do but he's someone he might out of everyone who plays the 10 players on the court he might care the most i mean he has the most hustle he's diving after balls like he shows the most effort and heart while he's on the court, and that matters to an extent, especially for a 19-year-old player who's playing on the Spurs who doesn't this year have really nothing to play for except the number one overall pick. Um, like I said, offensively, there's still a lot he's going to have to work on. 
But I think the fact that, uh, you know, defensively he's shown some things and the effort goes a long way. So Sure this guy what? is Walmart connection. He just cut off. My goodness, Dells. What's good with you? Hey, the Wi-Fi. My yeah. gosh. Look at it. Look at it. <laughs> He's, is he frozen? Yeah, I can hear y'all. Oh. Uh, here we I go. Your Wi-Fi stinks, bro. Now, is it just me or just... Yeah, I had to opt him here last week and I didn't do shit. Is it just me or does Jeremy Sohan have a lot of Scotty Barnes in his game? It's just you. No, it's just you. You see Scotty Barnes cook last night too? Casual? I don't think it's just me. I think Jeremy Sohan and Scotty Barnes play similarly. I agree. So they both play like Giannis? They don't both play. I never said he played like Giannis. You said Scotty had a Giannis like play style. You literally said he's a downhill slasher. So does Sohan play like Giannis? He definitely is a downhill Yo, you slasher. You see Scotty Barnes knocking down the mid range last night? When are we going to talk about the damn Lakers? Hurry this up. They are, they are Swiss Army knives. Two are Swiss Army knives. Now, 11th pick, Johnny Davis. I think we can all say that's an F. That's an F. We're going to move on. 10th pick. Real quick, I think the Johnny Davis selection might be the worst lottery pick since Anthony Bennett. In fact, the Wizards took him in the lottery with how his game would translate to the pros after his two years at Wisconsin was pretty wild. When they drafted him, the report was they were moving the point guard. And through 55 some odd games, he's played a total of 62 minutes in the pros. Wait, so him and Joshua Primo, which one's worse? This Joshua Primo <laughs> actually was developing, had a projectable game. He's gone. I mean, what shooting guard could defend shooter playmake? Yeah, I mean, I don't and know if you can. Yeah, I mean. Well, listen, Johnny Davis. Hopefully, he figures out his career. I, I still yeah, think Johnny that. has a career. You know, he'll be here next year. I'm sure. The 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 stock that I have is Johnny isn't completely gone yet. <laughs> it's a good thing Mojo didn't have NBA ball up then. That Taco Ball commercial might be his best highlight. OKC Thunder. Uzman Jiang has not played enough. We move on. Thunder, 12th pick. Very interesting. Jalen Williams. I gave him an A+. He's an A+. I mean, Absolutely. Given where he was taken. When I made my original mock draft, I mocked him to the Cavaliers. And, man, I, I wish the Cavs had him. If the Cavs Thank had God a player like Jalen Williams with Garland and Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen, this team... This team might make the conference finals. I know. I know he wasn't there, but I wish he was. But even if he was there, the Cavs would have traded him to Utah for Mitchell. Just, yeah, he wouldn't even be there regardless of the fact. Yeah. But Jalen Williams. Dubs, though. Ah. In the last 10 games, I believe he's averaging 19, 5, and 4, shooting 55% from the field and 45% from three. He's just a crafty player, man. I think Jalen Williams is a do-it-all guy. And OKC is building a special team with someone like SGA, who's already a superstar player, in my opinion, you have Jalen Williams, who is making a late challenge for the Rookie of the Year spot against Paolo. Chet Holmgren's coming back. But my, oh, my. You know, I, I really love Josh Giddy. You know, I've been a Josh Giddy guy since last year, calling my dark horse Rookie of the Year. Josh, one, of our, one of the fans of the show gave us a Josh Giddy jersey because of my admiration for Josh Giddy, an NBL jersey. And Josh Giddy is is another guy who is a 16, 5 and 5 guy. He's improving every single month. And he's somebody that, I mean, OKC with Giddy, SGA, and Williams, they're building a team with three players who can put the ball on the floor and they can create. All these guys have something unique to their game. And guys like Isaiah Joe fit this team perfectly who can just spot up and shoot. Somebody that Philly let go for nothing. And Isaiah Joe on Philly right now would be a huge help. But Jalen Williams he's is somebody that he's an A-plus grade, no doubt. 
Ah, I love it, man. I, Ribs, I, you're you're rocking the Jan Williams hair right now. Yeah, J Dub's my boy, man. I'm disrespecting Josh Giddy. Um, okay. <laughs> we were in the Uber the other day, me and Riv, and I told them you was you slept on Josh Giddy. I and, no, kind of like how John sleeps on the Lakers. No, Actually, no, no, kind of no. how like all you guys sleep on the Lakers. No, no. This is this Anyways. this has to stop. The Josh Giddy shit has to stop. All <laughs> I said was. I don't think he's gonna be a star, but he's gonna he's be a, a starter in the he's league. A star. If you call him a star, right, whatever. You know what he's been bugging. He could be he's a been star. Bugging. He could be, but J Dub is coming, and they about to listen. We're gonna talk about J. This is a J Dub topic. You always make it about something else that it doesn't need to be. Gideon. J Dub topic. Show <clears throat> some love to J Dub because when Giddy's backing out that weak offensive bag and it's not working, who steps up? It's J Dub. J Dub. Last couple games. Been doing his thing. I mean, he they call him baby SGA for a reason because he has that type of arsenal in his moves. Defensively, he's there. He can move his feet well. His hands is crafty. He likes to get in the passing lane. He can stick with a lot of guys. He can play one through four virtually. And I think that that versatility is huge. I mean, man, this is like this is the, for this pick, A plus. Gotta be A plus, right? Can't be no. No, this is 100 percent undoubtedly an A plus. I'm not I'm not grading like John. You don't have to win rookie of the year to be A plus and then that garbage. No, this is an A plus side. They drafted him late in the lottery. This is an A plus. What he's done for this team. And I feel like it hasn't been he struggled in the earlier years. It's just the reps have been coming. And as the reps have been coming, he's been taking an opportunity. And he's contributing for a team that one one of the sneaky best defenses in the league. I mean, they're not top ten, but they are a really, really good stingy defense. You get shut back who is an anchor, somebody who can protect the rim. You bring in another guy, and Dortz has been in and out the lineup. That's a guy who can defend at will. But you, like you mentioned, that lineup of SGA, Giddy, now you got J-Dub, 6'6 six, six and up, that can defend, that can create for themselves and others. I mean, this is – J-Dub's is just a great pick. He goes out with shopping for SGA, so the drip going to come right after. <laughs> A-plus a plus for me. This is the most improved rookie by far. The last yeah. 10 games, Jalen's averaging – 20 points, and as Riv said, he said a couple of things. He took a shot at me, even though he said earlier, the expectation's different for a top 10 pick relative to the 12th. And to think that the Thunder don't have Chet Holmgren back yet, and they're still in the thick of the playing race, currently 31, 35, 12 seed in the Western Conference, it's a testament to these guards. Next year, this Oklahoma City team is going to take a massive leap, I believe, in the standings. That's not just because of Shaq. It's because Jalen is the biggest leaper out of this draft class. And with his offensive repertoire, his defensive versatility, I think he is a lot like Shea. And the craziest thing, too, is he's just 21 years old. And I think that he is the last Santa Clara first-round pick since Steve Nash. Actually, I don't know if Steve Nash was a first-round pick. I think Steve Nash was a first-round pick. Well, a lottery pick, I mean. I know He was. I think J-Dub is going to be one of the three or four best players in this draft class. And that's not crazy to say. It's not crazy. But, of course, we do need to see Shet and how he's incorporated into this team as well. But last 15 games, you already mentioned in his last 10, he's averaging 20 points. In his last 15, averaging 18 points. His his field goal percentage is 55%. But what's even more impressive is his three-point shot, 45%. You guys mentioned already his defensive versatility, how fast he is, how twitchy he is. I would like to see his ball handling be a little bit better. But other than that, I have no critiques. His ability to drive to the basket, his ability to finish – his ability to shoot. Jalen Williams and the way that he has developed this season 
it has been unbelievable. And I want to give a quick shout out to my boy, Kenny Beecham. Absolutely. Because it's looking as if we're going to be in the, in the finals in our fantasy basketball league. And Kenny dropped Jalen. He dropped him. I could not tell you why he dropped him, but I'll tell you what, I snatched him up immediately. And now when I win this championship and Jalen Williams is an integral part of that, it's going to be amazing. So no doubt about it. This is an A plus selection. Oklahoma city continues to be the model of how you rebuild I don't know if we're going to see a rebuild quite like this ever again, but what they've been able to accomplish, what they've been able to do so far has been amazing. This is the blueprint of how you want to rebuild if you are an NBA franchise. Joel mentioned you have your superstar in SGA already. Giddy was an amazing selection. Jalen Williams now comes in, and this is a surprise. Now he seems to be a star in the making in his own right. There was no real competition for rookie of the year from – February to, to the start of the season, there was no competition. But now, suddenly, with the ascension of Jalen Williams, he has made himself a legitimate contender to win Rookie of the Year. He has played that special of basketball. An absolute A-plus. If you take into account where he was drafted, plus his impact, his play, I mean, probably the best rookie. Paulo, obviously, we talked about it, but number one overall pick, you're expected to do that. Where Jalen Williams was selected, you're not really expected to come in and be this good really this soon. And I know earlier in the year he struggled, uh, especially shooting the ball, but he's brought his three-point percentage up to 35% on the season. Yeah. Whatever he was, I don't remember what he was at, probably in the 20% to start off the year. Drew mentioned it, 40-something percent, 45% in the last 15 games or so. We know from the, from the mid-range at the rim, he's been extremely efficient all season. It really just has been that three-point shot that's really come along um, in these last few weeks. So the Thunder found another guy. I mean, it seems like every single season they're able to do this, find somebody, a diamond in the rough, whether it's picking up Isaiah Joe off waivers or Jalen Williams at the, you know, 12th overall selection. Sam Presti and the Thunder are just putting on a master class right now. I'm with you, John. I think next year could really be the year Thunder take that leap and get into the top six in the West. Now, the last two lottery picks are... Did that cut out again? Yes. You did, a little bit. You're now, mid. the last two picks... Let me let me join my phone. Okay. Now, the last two picks are Jalen Duran at 13 and Oshay Agbaji at number 14. I'm giving Jalen Duran a B, and I'm giving Oshay a C, because I think when Oshay's played, he's been all right. Just I hasn't agree. had opportunity, though. Jalen Duran has been good, 30 and 17 game against the Spurs. But now James Wiseman is there. So that kind of, I guess, ruins what his development curve would have been later in the season. But those two grades are a B and a C for me, respectively. I think those grades. Are, I think those grades are fair. Uh, O'Shea was going to be someone who I mentioned on rookies that were, you know, that are being overlooked for the fact that yes, his opportunity hasn't been there, but in his limited opportunity, which kind of has been of recent since the trade deadline, his three-point shot has been there, shooting thirty-seven percent. I would like to see a little bit more volume as time goes on, but. That's definitely a piece, especially someone who came into the NBA when we we're doing our preseason, our preseason outlook was that or our preseason our pre-draft outlook, excuse me, was that O'Shea was going to be one of those NBA ready guys that was going to be a three and D piece for his squad. He was going to come in and make an immediate or be able to make an immediate impact. And at least one of the, the one of the levels is there. His defense, his versatility there, that's firm. But of course, the three-point shot, shooting that clip, that has been what I've been looking for mostly. And in Utah, he could just be a very firm role player for them. So that's why I'm fine with C due to the limited opportunity. Joel, your, your camera looks exquisite. 
Um, but I'm fine with the C, but I believe that he will be one of those guys that will be a, a very strong role player for the Utah Jazz for a couple of years. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll say – I'll give the same grades. I mean, Duran's just a beast. I he mean, is a beast. His, his activity on the boards, his rolling ability at this age is nuts. Um, just – you mentioned that Wiseman came in and could halter the development, but they, they seem like they play fine. You know, Wiseman's been fine over there. Uh, for Duran, it's just about continuing to mature and age and maybe get a little push shot, mid-range shot. But in terms of just being a glass cleaner, defensively, he – he has he's shown the ability to defend the rim. Um, but yeah, he's he's just been a beast, you know, 19 years old, absolute beast. So I agree with you. I give a B, maybe a B plus for Jalen Duran, and then um I give a C for uh, Agbaji because when he does play, he's fine. He just doesn't get a lot of run. You gotta give the Jazz credit though for how they handled O'Shea. Because most young players that are lottery picks just get thrown out there early. But they made him earn that spot. And especially after making all their moves to the deadline, he's been playing more upwards of 30 minutes a game. He's shooting well from three. O'Shea is what he was drafted to be, which is a pretty good 3 and D win with a little bit of upside. Reminds me a little bit of like Reggie Bullock. That was my draft comp. And I think he could be a better, more consistent shooter than that. And as for Jalen Duran, he just turned 19 years old and he plays like a grown man. It is not normal. And I mean, he's younger than you, John. He is younger than me, actually. I mean, Troy Weaver, though, couldn't help himself adding another center. He couldn't help it. He had to add another one. So it's going to be interesting. I think Jalen's a little long-term center. Bagley had a big game the other day on yeah. his return, too. Yeah, is Dark Miller just a big dunk? What'd you say? Dells. Oh, sorry. I thought, I thought you were talking about John. My bad, my bad. Your um, mic is cutting on and off. It's never easy, is it? <laughs> my hold goodness, Dells. You sound staticky and horrible. Hold up, hold up, hold up. The lack of respect, Rev. Come on. Oh, you got to be See, you know what the problem is with you, Drew? You're not a honey with your boys. You're too nice and you're too sensitive. Man up. And speak. I'm not sensitive. All I'm saying is you got to take it easy with your gang. You tell your boys the truth because if they, it's better to hear it from me than a stranger. You know what I'm saying? You're not wrong. You're not Dallas, wrong. speak. Hello. Yeah, hello, I'm man. Better? better? Yeah. Look okay. handsome, very uh, red. It's this you look like you chop wood for a living. Now listen, we'll just skip through Dallas for the 13th and 14th grades. Let's Follow go on me. to the final portion of this topic. Favorite under-the-radar rookies, rookies that are not lottery picks, that were not lottery picks. John, I'll let you name yours first. Mine is going to be the only defensive player of the year from this draft class, and his name is Walker Kessler. Should I play the clip into the mic, Joel? <laughs> yes. No, do that. Do that. It's your Mona Lisa, bro. Sure. It's not my Mona Lisa. I've had better takes than this. Do you go point guard here, or do one of these guys, Ty Tyra Kennedy Chandler, go off the board? For context, this was our 2022 NBA mock draft with the 26th overall pick the Houston Rockets selected. The boys oh, over. shit. Open them up. We'll get the boys oh, over. shit. Here, or do one of these guys, Ty Tyra Kennedy Chandler, go off the board at this pick? We'll take Walker Kessler. We'll get the boys. Oh, over. shit. We'll pick him up. <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. Over Ty Ty? He was sleeping, too. Point guard. Who's the backup point guard? Yeah, KPJ. And who's the backup? They're oh, you're sticking with it. Now we're really not going to keep him and Jabari Smith together because we're going to do everything so what about Jabari? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rib, you're real for that one though. You're real for that. 
NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. You see, Joel, you see how they try to paint us, uh, paint us bad guys? I didn't say anything in that clip. No, you, you, you giggled. If you watched the full clip, you giggled and you laughed. With I giggled a little bit because I thought Tata was a better fit. My right? goodness, Rev. I thought, I thought that's what it was. I thought My we God, good. John, you're loud. Listen, I will say this. Every single good take that somebody has on the show is followed by Rev laughing and saying it's a bad take. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, the Knicks third seed wasn't a bad, wasn't a good take. <laughs> the Kings um, was though. Yeah, it was. Minnesota third, uh, first seed was also a giggle. The cat's been injured. Could have happened. We don't know. Stop. We don't know. So Walker Kessler's your under the radar rookie. Cat. Stop How it. good has Walker Kessler been this year? So good that opponents shoot eight percent worse at the rim when he's on the floor. Ninety seventh percentile. We can say it. He's been a better rim protector as a rookie than Rudy Gobert was in Utah for many of those years. Not all of them. I mean, we're already seeing elite level rim protection and offensively he's a more fluid player. He has good hands. Let's be honest, the same size. He's a good athlete too. Uh, I think he's going to be more than a backup center, safe to say. And he's probably going to be a defensive player of the year for Utah. They went from Goran Hayward to Donovan Mitchell and now Laurie. And they've went from Rudy Gobert to Walker Kessler. Danny Ainge knows ball. And he also knows something that Tim Connolly didn't. And it's that Walker Kessler is going to be a stud. So now, Riv, who's your sleeper? Uh, I got one. I don't, I don't know if I'm giving you that dub, John, because you picked him in the 20s. But whatever. I'll, I'll let you have that moral victory or whatnot. That is a dub. What do you mean? I, I guess. I'll let the bird speak to me, because with one casual. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. You picked him to be a backup center. You didn't pick him to be a starting center. So, you know. But whatever. My pick, I'm going to go Andrew Nemhart uh, for Indiana. I'm, I'm going to go him. He's, he's been one of my favorites. He's my favorites at Gonzaga. You know, I just like his point guard play, what he brings to the table. I like that he can defend 6'5", can space the floor, can create good point guard, can run the offense, especially with Halle Byrne. You can come off the bench or you can play with him. His ability to be off ball and all ball is something that I like to see. And he's, he's, not, he's not relatively old. He's about 21, 22 years old. So I like I like Nemhard. Nemhard is one of those guys for me. I was really high on him coming out. You know, I thought he can definitely, if not, go to a team like Indiana, go to a playoff team like, for example, it could have been Boston or a team like the Bucks. Just somebody who a team that needs a backup point guard and he can bring you that stability at that position. So for me, it's Nemhard, baby. Andrew Nemhardy. So going over to to the Andrew on this podcast. Um, of course, we could talk about Tari Eason. He's been solid. Talk about Malachi Branham. He's been solid, of course. But I'm going to let you guys handle that. I'm going to talk about Max Christie. And why I want to talk about Max Christie, because wow. he doesn't really get burned like that. No way, no how. But he could definitely be a very firm role player if we weren't stacked. You know what I'm saying? When we weren't <laughs> okay. stacked and Max Christie was able to come and play basketball, his jump shot is very firm. His defensive versatility that's exactly what I wanted to talk about, his ability to defend on the perimeter. That's really the reason why I wanted to highlight Max. Max was a second-round pick, very firm selection by us because we, do, we did need shooting pretty terribly. But really, at this point in time, we really don't need him. And that's kind of crazy, and it speaks to how far we've come as a team. 
But I do want to highlight Max Christie because the defensive versatility that he does put forth is very firm, and his ability to knock down a jumper is very great. My goodness. Respect um, how us. do I sound now? Am I sounding okay? So you sound good, players. man. You had you so many good. players to pick from, and you chose somebody who averages three points. Well, you know why? Because I knew you guys were going to go Tari. I knew you were going to go Malachi. So I was like, you know what? Might as well just continue to feed into my Laker propaganda. I'm a genius. Okay. Um, Mine's a bit of a cop-out because it is right outside the lottery. But 15th overall pick, Mark Williams, has been sensational. Mm -hmm. He started off the season pretty rough. 27 straight DNPs. The Hornets being the Hornets. I mean, listen, Mason Plumlee was having a great year. Nick Richards was playing above him. Um... But since he's become the starter, he's been great. He's averaging 12, 10, and one and a half blocks per game as the starter. His size is ridiculous at 7'1", with a 7'7 wingspan and 9-foot, nine 9-inch nine standing reach. He's shown some ability as well defensively to be able to switch on the perimeter. And he leads the Hornets in total rebound percentage, block percentage, win shares per 48 minutes, and defensive, bo- defensive box plus minus. He's been great for them. Um, obviously, since Mason Plumlee got moved at the deadline, he was able to come in, become that starter. He's been fantastic. Dallas has been high on him since uh, his first year at Duke. Yes, my guy. Yep. To, to piggyback on what John said about Kessler, Kessler is leading all rookie in blocks. He's the fifth best rim protector based on rim defense vocal percentage versus expected this season. So just want to give some context to that. Walker Kessler has been a superstar. Just amazing this year. Now, I have a selection between four players, and neither of them include Max Christie. Now, the, the, the 16th overall pick, A.J. Griffin. You're a big numbers guy, right? Nate, Nate Mc, value numbers guy? Nate that's McMillan. You? I mean, that, that's when you fall into THT territory when you don't look at objective, THT. objective numbers. THT. I did say that, THT. I'm just making sure. When you look at it, when you don't look it's, at it. It's per 60, man. It's per 30. That's what I meant to say. It's a shame, man. A.J. Griffin was somebody that was iced out of the rotation early on, and very quickly it was apparent that he was the best three-point shooter on the Atlanta Hawks team. He's shooting 38% from three on almost four attempts. I think Asia Griffin is just a perfect fit for Trey Young, and honestly for a lot of teams that are in dire need of shooting. I want to give Tari Eason some love because he's averaging nine points and six rebounds, shooting 44% from the field and 35% from three. I think that he is one of those wings that, a lot of teams around the league would covet. And I know that there was a lot of rumors about the Knicks drafting him before the draft, and I would have been a very big fan of that move because he seems like the perfect Tom Thibodeau guy. I hope that Houston can figure it out because I think he's somebody that if used to the to the right, if he's used correctly, he can be somebody that can really surprise us in this draft. And then the Spurs, Malachi Branham. You know, Malachi Branham is somebody who defensively is not good, but scoring-wise, he has a lot of twitchiness to his game in his last 10. He's averaging almost 15 points per game. So I like Malachi's game a lot. And if I was mentioning a 3-and-D player that didn't get much minutes, it wouldn't have been Max Christie. It would, have been somebody, it would have been somebody in Denver named Christian Brown who's been better mm. and who's been – his defense, his defensive ability has been better. His shooting has been better. That. Christian Brown is, is really bro, good. Bro, never forget. So Pee-wee is Max Christie. Pee Wee slept on me for the Brown pick. Never forget. Casual. <laughs> and I'm kind of sick that Christian Brown has lost his minutes because of the trades they've made because he was an uh, electric bunny for them, an energizer bunny for them. Kind of like Max Christie when the trade yeah. deadline happened and we saw his minutes just dip- diminish. It's tragic. Now, this week in the NBA. I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll let you go. Because I've been waiting. 
I've been waiting. I've been very patient. <sighs> the Los Angeles Lakers continue to amaze us. They really do. And why they've been so amazing to watch, to talk about, is because of people like you. I'm talking to you, Riv. I'm talking to you, Joel. I'm talking to you, John. And Joel, not so much as of late. And Riv, you know what? I only keep you in that because you disrespect the players on our squad, and I simply don't like you for it. Los Angeles Lakers played the Toronto Raptors last night, and we were oddly favorites to beat the Grizzlies, but weren't favorites to beat the Raptors. So what do we do? Down 15 early in the first quarter, we erase that deficit. We go up 10 ourselves. But then in the third quarter, we can't make a basket. We go down. But it didn't matter because ultimately, deloading comes in and has an unbelievable game, returned from injury after the ankle, after going down with an ankle injury, and puts up 28 points took over that fourth quarter. He was absolutely unbelievable. He was letting go of some threes that I'll be completely transparent. He was shooting, and I'm saying, why? Why are you doing this, D'Lo? And he would shut me up every single time because it was splash money every single time he let it go. He was sensational. Even when Anthony Davis wasn't the Anthony Davis that we've seen these last five games, only eight points, but he left his mark on the other side of the basketball court. He was a pest on the – on the defensive side, blocking shots left and right, had four blocks total. This Lakers team is really something because you have guys like Austin Reeves, who Riv continues to sleep on, the Vandalorian, Jared Vanderbilt, who's been one of the best acquires at the trade deadline by any team. The Lakers are number one in defensive rating since the trade deadline, and that is primarily because of Vando. He has been unbelievable on the defensive side of the ball. And we just continue to play really great basketball without the king present. LeBron James has been hurt with his foot, and we have been cooking. We continue to climb these standings. I remember when we were supposed to give the Pelicans the number one overall pick. I remember that. I remember when we were the 13th seed, and we couldn't have basketball conversations about the Lakers because we were the 13th seed. I remember when we were the 11th seed. Now we're the ninth seed. We're a game and a, we're a half game out of out of seventh or eighth place, and we're one game out of being a top six lock. Simple as this. When you talk about the Lakers, apply respect. Because if you want to talk casually, that's fine. Just keep it off this podcast. Let's go, Lakers, and turn my Lake show the fuck now, up, Riff, baby. Now, Riv, before you go, listen. I, I, wanna, really I feel like we're going to say the same thing. Listen, I want to say this. It's actually funny that Oh, Jared Vanderbilt gets the Vandalorian nickname with the Lakers. D'Lo all of a sudden is, oh, my God, he's such he's this great player. I mean, we always knew. I mean, that's why I bet you D'Lo versus DeJounte and you guys acted like it wasn't even a conversation. We always knew that D'Lo was a great player. He's inconsistent. So when those inconsistencies show up, I don't want you to switch up on D'Lo, which you probably That's my will. new favorite player. That's my Jared, new favorite player. Jared, Jared Vanderbilt is somebody that I, that I said maybe a year and a half ago, he's a winning player. He helps any team when he's like a P.J. Tucker, one of those blue guys. And he's been that for the Lakers. Now, the more I think about the Lakers, the more I think about, you know what, this team might just be the Timberwolves of last season, but instead of Anthony Edwards and Cat being your two best players, it's A.D. and LeBron James. D'Lo, Malik, Vanderbilt. The Lakers have a nice roster. I think the roster is good. And I was definitely wrong about them when comparing them to the Clippers and the deadline moves that they've made. The Lakers got better than the Clippers at the deadline. There's no doubt. With that being said, Drew, I understand you're being hype. 
about the Lakers. You should. I mean, you're a fan of LeBron James, and you go wherever LeBron James goes. So I'm not going to say the Lakers exclusively. But let's when when you talked about us not talking casually, back when the Lakers were a couple games out of the fifth or sixth seed, that was like a month and a half ago. It took a month and a half to get you to this believe. point here. You didn't believe. And this point is the ninth seed. And the West is so close that in two games – you can jump right to the back of the line. That's, See, a, and that's the same that's way how, you're laughing about us going backwards is the same way that I'm going to be laughing when we go forward and we you keep can this go win forward. streak up. Okay, don't and, play and, with us. And listen, don't when play you, with when, us. When the Lakers, if the Lakers do go forward, if that's what you're projecting, Riv. Because the Timberwolves lost last night. I saw that. Riv, if and I'm we not. see who's a half game behind. Don't think I forgot about my bet that you were laughing at because you thought you baited me into taking it. You, bait, you baited yourself. You baited yourself. <laughs> hey, listen. I hope. I hope that if uh, if you win this bet, I'll for sure pay you. Unlike the Dolphins and Jaguars bet we made. Yeah, that was cold. That was cold. That was cold. Damn. Don't whoa, don't whoa. let him think that he's getting away with that. The Jaguars finished with a better record. They finished let, with a better record. He let a fan of ours convince him that he won this deal. He yeah. let a fan of ours convince was, us that he won this sorry. bet. Wait, out. hold up, Riff. I want to ask you something. Yo. Isn't Drew the guy that repeatedly on this show, whenever we talk about team success, he says a season is only successful if you win an NBA championship? Mm-hmm. Mm. There's never been a team very seldomly in NBA history that's not been a top three seed to that, that's won a championship. Top three seeds historically win the NBA championship. So honestly, the Lakers could be as high as six, five. It doesn't matter to me. According to you, in your laws, if they don't win the championship, it's a failed season. I anyway. agree. The thing is, I think you thought you did something with that statement. So I want to give you a little applause for that. The thing is, I'm consistent, baby. I'm with you. If we don't win a championship, this shit's for nothing. And, and, and it will what, be for you nothing. Can't count it. And it you will be for nothing. Because you will not you win think. a championship. And that's what you think. But you oh, know you what? You you're going to talk about your quote-unquote <laughs> you, nuggets. Your quote-unquote sons. Championship. Without Kevin Durant, your sons are nothing. Your nuggets... Slowly but surely, they're revealing themselves. Defensively, they're fraudulent. As a team, we'll see what happens. No yeah. one wants to see the fucking Lakers. You know, Dells, no I apologize. One. Dells, I apologize for all those moments that I've called you Mr. Flip aside. Didn't this man, Drew, just have the Suns as making the finals last week? Without Kevin Durant. Without Kevin Durant. He's coming back. He's coming back. I hope you're right. He, they literally announced he's not going to It's not gonna be out for the season. He's coming back. I hope you're right. Odell, did, did Drew just flip a sign? I mean, he, he just said the Suns. He just gave the Suns no chance to make the finals. Without pretty Kevin much Durant, what, heard. They're what are we talking about? How did I flip? What are we talking about? You're man? trying to find ins and outs. Listen. But you no, understand I, I, that all you've well, done when you took, talk about it the took Lakers you seven is months to get the not the not you're you're you're, you're celebrating. You said we wouldn't be. You're throwing you pizza parties be. over the night. You said every season. single game was a toss up. The season you is You said over. that we couldn't beat the Raptors. You said that we wouldn't beat the Warriors. Okay. You, you said that we couldn't come up The season is over. Respect. You got the easy come up line, the easy schedule, and you slept. You were there. You thought you'd take your moment while I was gone, while Riv was gone, to chat about how bad the Lakers were going to be. So that was a very smart chess move of you. Wrong. That was probably the dumbest thing you could have done because all the Lakers have done is play winning basketball. Eat your words, Mr. Moran. Eat them. The season is not over. It isn't. It isn't. And all we're going to do is keep on eating because even when AD plays mediocrely, what do we do? We win basketball games. Respect us. I'm Respect. glad you could beat the Crafters. I'm glad. I mean, that was a team that you had. We weren't um, even favorites. Winning more games we against the Cavaliers. Favorites. 
We weren't even favorites to win. So now and listen, we did. listen, you you might think the Raptors win is impressive because before the year you had them being a better team than the Cleveland Cavaliers, which has been obviously wrong. But me, I look at the Raptors and what they've been, it's not an impressive win. The Raptors are not a good team. Who cares about winning the Raptors? Came back and won. Why are you down 15 to the Raptors? We came out cold. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. And our bench unit came in, and Dennis Schroeder comes in, drops 20 plus. Austin Reeves comes in, 18 points. He's a talented offensive player. I'll Riff. give you. I I'll want give you to you say respect. that into the microphone. I'll give you. I want respect. you to say that into oh. the microphone. Who's a talented offensive player? I'll give you respect if the Lakers can beat the New York Knicks tomorrow Sunday. Like You're gonna be watching that game. Like we did in the garden with LeBron. Like we did. You don't have LeBron. You don't have LeBron. You don't have LeBron. I don't want. I don't have Brunson. He just his X-rays are negative. He might come back tomorrow. Now listen. Now listen. Now listen. I'll give you respect if you beat the Knicks tomorrow. We'll be watching that game on playback. You guys better sign up. Link is link is in our yep. description. But you're getting hype over the nine seed. This is I'm funny not getting hype over the nine seed. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm getting hype of a is that we're slowly exit? but surely. If that's what you think, that's on you. And you're going to continue to eat your words. That's fine. But what we're doing and why I'm getting hype is because we're continuing to climb slowly but surely. And and you guys were were very quick. To throw stones, but here I am on the other side, accepting all this, you, all this great energy that the Lakers have been giving. This is Riv, Riv, go say what you want to say along with this week in the NBA. No, he's going to talk about his Warriors that have been on a three-game skid since Steph Curry's been back. Stop talking, please. This is pissing me off because this is the this is the problem. Well, why nobody respects Lakers fans and why we don't like you guys? Talk to me. Talk to me. I have. I went. You know what I did last night? I went and I looked up all our Twitters and I looked up how we all talk about our teams when we're up, how we're all talking about our teams when we're down. And I've looked, and I've, and for the most part, Dells is very humble. When he his team is up, he talks his shit. When his team plays like shit, he's like, we're dog shit. For me, I criticize the Warriors a lot when we're playing like shit. But when we're up, I'm just like, yo, how about the Warriors? Shit, shit lit. Joel is kind of like all over the place. but that's Yeah, Joel. I mean, that's a specific John, guy. John is very – he just he, – he trolls a lot. Of he doesn't team. even have a team. He doesn't have a team. We don't yeah. know. So, but with Drew, it's like – He's completely delusional. Like, and this is the problem with Lakers fans. Lakers fans don't, they're scared to be the butt of the joke. When it's, they're the butt of the joke, it's, you're hating. But when it's another team that's the butt of the jokes, it's like, oh, it's funny. They're going to laugh, giggle, I key, key, key with you. If we were talking about another team, like if, if, if um, a team like Denver was in this place, the Lakers would be a key, key, key. And this is just, this is analysis. We're just judging this team. But what the Lakers are ass, and we're telling him that the Lakers are ass, and he's delusional about the Lakers being ass, we're called haters. But now that they're, they're good, he's jumping up and down in hoops. We haven't – for me, I can only speak for myself. I haven't said a word about the Lakers in like two to three weeks. Literally haven't said a word. I called them ass when they were ass. But the problem with you Lakers fans is you're not humble. You're not humble at all. You never you, like you. You you knew Lakers fans have seen one ring in the. You're box. losing me. You're losing me. Riff, you're fucking losing me. You when guys, you guys were laughing at not me. Humble. When you were the thirteenth seed, Drew, you were laughing at me. Drew, you you're were losing good. me. You you're losing me, Riff. I respect good. you as a man. When you speak, I give you respect. I appreciate what you say. Right now, you're talking bullshit. You were talking that bullshit because I had to sit at that table for over a year and a half. And here the four, the three of you guys constantly disrespect the Lakers. I'm not going to say you're wrong, Riv, but this season I said trust. 
We're going to be all right. Once the trade deadline hits, we're going to be all right. You guys laughed when we didn't get Kyrie. You said that's another failed Lakers move. The Lakers are constantly delusional, right? As you continue to spew about how we're delusional. But now we're starting to win basketball games. We're playing winning basketball. And now we're not humble. Why I'm not humble is simple as this. Because I have to come onto this podcast week in, week out, and you guys disrespect the Lakers. That's why I'm not humble. Because I'm tired of the disrespect you constantly put on the Lakers. Because you act like y'all Lakers fans act like y'all just want to ring. Riv, maybe who's, maybe who's the disrespect. That? Who's doing maybe that? The disrespect is called analysis. We told you last year the Lakers and weren't going to be a good team. It was lazy. Good. Wait, Wait oh, Riv, right. Riv, no. So what's your no? No, talk to me about your analysis Riv. on Austin Reeves. Riv. Hold, talk hold to me up. about your analysis on Austin Reeves. role player. Talk to me about your analysis on Dennis Schroeder. Talk to me about your analysis on Rui Hachimura. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Talk to me about your analysis on Rui Hachimura. Rui's average. Again, because we told you about Rui and what he was in Washington. Can he change? Yes. We were just telling you that he wasn't good in Washington. Which was then he's been on the Lakers, and you guys were still disrespecting him. Look, because we're laughing and trolling in a group chat, and I'm nah. Stop it. Stop it. Don't even speak on Rui. Stop it. You can't. You can't keep that energy in the group chat. And then when we come onto the show, then suddenly it's a bro. We're joking. We're joking. I haven't said nothing about the lake. I even said I said like two weeks ago the West was wide open. Riv, that's why. Listen, a lot of this. I'm with you, Riv. You're getting a lot of my heat right now because you're you're disrespecting me as a man. But really, the the ultimate culprit is that guy over there in the green. He he truthfully is the reason why I'm here this adamant because he constantly disrespected, overlooked would not even turn on a Laker game if you paid him money to do so. And he just comes up into this podcast and speaks ill on the Lakers. It's ill-advised and it's disgusting. And I'm just glad that the Lakers are turning the tide so he can actually start to tune in and lock the fuck in. Because lock in. Because the Lake Show's here. It's the show's on, baby. It's hilarious what Drew's saying right now. As if last year, you you didn't, did you not predict the Lakers would win 65 games? But I have a question. What does that have to do with what we're talking about right now? If you want to bring up last year's stuff, sure, because it'll be funny. The fans will love no, it. It backs, it up. It backs up that talk, you're delusional right about now. the Lakers. It backs up that you're delusional about the Lakers. About the Lakers. last year, I admitted we were bad when it was happening. I said we're not good. I never said we were going to come back. But this year, I remain adamant. We are better than what people give us credit for. We and are what, in games what's, what's against that? tough teams. What's that? What's being better than what people give you credit for? What's that? What is it's that in the grand scheme of things? Oh, no, all right, done. Joel, I love when you just feed into exactly where I want to go. Because when it comes to the Lakers, all you would say is, you're the 13th seed. You laugh. They're not even worth talking about. Go back and watch these episodes. Don't shake your head at me and say you never said that shit. Because they're bullshit. not worth talking you're about. Lying. Right. They're not worth not it. we're talking about. Then I'd, why is it that I'd everyone talk- in this chat right now is saying, where's the Lakers? We're here for the Lakers conversation. Because why? They just because they're the fucking Raptors. box That's office. Why. Because the Lakers are box office. You need to respect them and what they've been doing <laughs> since the trade deadline. The Simple Lakers, as that. The Lakers, are the, box fuck the Lakers have the biggest fan base in the league tied with the Warriors. It's 1A, one, 1B. One one Possibly Lakers might have the edge because of the historical value. But when talking about what the Lakers have been recently, let's stop. Listen, last year they sucked. They were not good. They this entire good. year they they have not been good for the most part. They've been they, inconsistent. They haven't been good. That's, that's why they wrong. were the third that's, seed. That's they wrong. haven't been good. We've and been hurt. Act, and to act We've been like hurt the Lakers, and inconsistent. Just, just because the Lakers are the ninth seed now, everything gets thrown out the window is just simply ridiculous. It's not, like what are we talking All about? Right, talk to me. Like, talk to me. Why were we bad? And when we talk and we talk about talk to me. Why were we bad? 
because you don't have spacing and your defense was not good in the lineups that didn't feature LeBron or AD were not good. And now what getting and now LeBron getting and, AD missed time, and now getting and now getting Russell and now getting Russell Westbrook out of there with D'Lo, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. There's a much better defensive scheme fit and there's more floor spacing on the floor and on the court. So the lineups without AD and without LeBron don't tend to struggle as much. They actually are pretty good. The Lakers have been a good team since these additions have been made, but to act like they are this championship contender and they deserve to be talked about over teams that honestly deserve more recognition. Talk is to foolish. me. Who deserves more recognition than the Lakers right now? The Sacramento the Kings, seed. 100%. Okay, for sure. Fine. You're talking about the number two seed. The Sacramento, right. exactly, exactly. The number two okay, seed. They deserve given, more respect. We've given the Kings nothing but respect. How yes, about we they, talk about what we've been doing on this podcast? Who's worth talking about more than them right now? The Bucs. I can name a lot of teams. The Bucs are worth we, talking we talk about, about the, the last Bucks 10 games. The last 10, Drew, the last 10 games, you're right. But, be, but before that the trade deadline, we had no reason to talk about the Lakers. The Sixers deserve more talk than the Lakers. No doubt what Joel Embiid is doing. We're going to talk about the MVP talk. In, in the next segment, like let's stop acting like things on the Lakers suddenly changed. If they if they change. if they what get eliminated in the first round, change. it's over. But it that's doesn't not, matter. It doesn't again, matter. When we, when we lock ourselves into that top six seed and we play the number three seed, which right now is the Memphis Grizzlies, is John Moran going to be there? Oh, suddenly now we're a second round team. And then who do we match up against right now? Just off the top of my head, I would assume it would probably be Don the winner nice. of the two versus seven. So we probably maybe played the Kings. Hmm. The Kings, although their offense is very high potent and very explosive, one of the best offenses in the league, their defense is shitty. We could acknowledge that. And what do the Lakers have right now? Solid defense, primarily due to the fact that the moves that we made at the trade deadline. And, oh, wait, LeBron James isn't even playing basketball. He's going to be there come playoff time. And that matchup versus the Kings is not crazy. Oh, so I'll give us, I'll give us a, a fighter's chance in that one for sure especially for the fact that we're the more experienced team, uh, 100% credit to what the Kings have been doing over there. But when it comes to talking to the Lakers, and we, that is definitely the more experienced team. And the, defensively, they need to, to lock in on that side of the ball, especially against the Lakers. So I give us a chance to win. Now, let's say we move on. Then we play the Nuggets. That's the real series that I'd be worried about. And I'm only going for the fact of right now what's what how the seeding would play out. Or Do let's trust say, the Nuggets or, or let's fully? say I don't know. Right or now, let's say I don't. you stay in the playing territory nine, ten, eight, seven, and you get eliminated in the playing. Those are also very valid. Getting and eliminated in the play again, the way that we've been playing basketball, the way how the, the how close the West is. It's one we game. are a game, we are a game away from top six. A game. One. How many are you? I don't away think from you realize 13? how close it is. No, I do realize how close it is, but I'm also not jumping to the conclusion that things right now are definite, and what you're saying is absolutely going to happen. You I'm guys not saying can, that. You I'm guys, saying you're saying we're not contenders. I just not. gave you. I just gave you the road of how it's possible. You're not contenders. But I, I just gave you contender. the road of how it's possible. And was you're, I, was and, my, and, and was your, my analysis wrong? In your mind, that road is possible. Sure. Is in that your wrong mind. what I just said? Three versus six, we play the Grizzlies. What happens? If Would Josh you take back, us you don't beat the Grizzlies? If Jaws there, you don't beat the Grizzlies. So if LeBron's there, we don't have a chance? So you have the same a chance, way they get Josh, the same them. we get LeBron. I know, Simple. but I know, but if y'all are the, if I would pick the Grizzlies in that series. We've beaten the Grizzlies two out of the three times well, we played them. Well, this Lakers defense might be better than the Memphis Grizzlies defense in the playoffs. With Jared Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis, there may not be a better defensive front court in the league. 
Like that Grizzlies defense is built off Jaron Jackson, who can't play 30 minutes, and Dylan Brooks, who's also foul prone, and he can easily get a couple technicals and be ejected in a game. This Lakers team is for real. And as somebody that's disrespected in the past, Drew, it's because, yeah, I mean, you're on Twitter typing away. I love Troy Brown Jr., which is wild. So, yeah, we're going to make fun of Lakers. Oh, that's another guy. Great that's, role player. He's not. He's not. He's not someone. Uh, I love. Tune in. Tune in. Sell down. This Lakers defense is the foundation that they have lacked. And honestly, as good as the one they had in 2021, where injuries ravaged their season. You give LeBron three, four weeks off with how well Anthony Davis has generally played. You have like, what, eight points last night without him? And this Lakers team's gelling at the perfect time where teams like the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, and even my Denver Nuggets are not playing their best ball. Going to the postseason where LeBron, the one thing he's needed is rest for a long time. Now he finally gets that and a level of three-point shooting, defensive versatility, and front court depth. I think Vando can put a little bit of the backup five for them that they've not had in two years. So are the Lakers contenders? I'm not quite sure. But the answer is something I think a lot of NBA fans are not ready for. And I hate to say that because I got my nuggets going in the finals this year, but this Lakers team can beat a lot of teams, and that would include the Grizzlies for sure. Now, listen, John, I think you give a very good level-headed analysis, but the bottom line is that you are just thinking about best-case scenario, and honestly, the amount of faith that you have is sickening in, in teams in the West right now that are at the top of, that are at the, top of the West. Continuity matters. It matters. If the Nuggets face the Lakers, I'm taking the Nuggets in that series. And John's over here, a Nuggets fan. He doesn't want to jinx his team. He admitted to me that he has a tradition for the Super Bowl where he takes the opposite teams, opposite team to win because he doesn't want to jinx his pick. That's why he took the Eagles in the Super Bowl. He just wanted the Chiefs to win. John, just know he just reverse jinxed your ass. Because it's out there in the open. We know it. Now you're fucked. John just wants John is just hyping up the Lakers because he wants to jinx them. That's all John is doing right now. <laughs> the Kings would beat the Lakers in a series. Let's John, stop kidding ourselves. The Lakers have a better uh front court defense than the Bucks and the Cavs. No, but they have the best front court defense in the West. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I don't view the Lakers as contenders, and I think that a lot of this talk of hyping them up. I, I'm really looking forward to how it's going to age. I do. I'm no, I'm sure because the way that you've spoken, it's aged like dog shit. I mean, you went from the 13th seat to the 9th seat, bro. Congrats. Yeah. You deserve a pizza party. I remember when we were supposed to give the Pelicans one overall pick. The, the guy, so what the guy, happens? No, the guy, no, the guy that, the guy that said it. you only have a successful season it. if you win a championship is now throwing a party over the 9th seed. I'm okay. not. I, if that's how you want to take it, that's up to you because you're trying to find any which way right here to sound good. But it's not it's not happening because when you talk to me, it, it's just different from having conversations with anyone else. Drew, I sound because amazing. Stayed, you ah, sound delusional. You're the because ninth when seed. When I talk, when I talk, I stay very consistent. It's not about just being the ninth seed because that's still good from where we were. But it's about how we're going to continue to climb because I'm never satisfied until I get to the mound up, the top of the top. No doubt, I want that championship. But it's about the slow progression of how the Lakers have started to where they're at right now. That's why I'm happy. And and no one's throwing a pizza party over being the ninth seed. What we're throwing a pizza party over is how constantly you guys have tried and tried to minimize what the Lakers have done. But slowly but surely, we continue to climb. And the same way that you say that I'm, I'm happy about a ninth seed, no. I'm happy about us being a game behind the sixth seed, being a top six playoff lock. Because I don't want to talk about the plan. The same way that the Laker players – 
are talking about not making just the plan. No, we want to be a top six playoff lock. That's our goal. And that's what needs to be the goal. And that's what I'm looking forward to because <laughs> that's exactly what we're going to be. Dells, Riv, and John. Ooh. What other nine seed are we talking about like this? No, we don't talk about the Wizards or the Bulls. Never. We don't talk about the Raptors like that. We don't talk about the Hawks. We don't talk about the Heat that just were a shot away from the NBA Finals. Yeah, we don't. We don't. How many nine seeds have LeBron James? And the Heat just their their defense is starting to lock up. I think they're a top top three John, defense in the point. last in the last no, month. I cannot say that because you are actually the worst you quote unquote hater at all. All three of us. You you cannot say that. I don't know if Joe. I don't know if John's the worst. No way. Undoubtedly, John, if John's not the worst. He's the second. He John, was the second. John second. Hit the Lakers. John was John, second for a long time. John was one of those crazy. people that I had to enlighten. But one thing I can give John his credit for is that John actually listened to me when I spoke. He's actually tuned into the Lakers. And That's he's realized that what he's saying is wrong. No, what That's he's doing not. is being smart by watching the Listen. Lakers and actually understanding what they're talk what we're talking about. Okay, let's not get one thing up, Drew. We've been talking about these players for a while now. Laker fans have been introduced to good news. The, uh, the praises. Problem, you know what the problem was? Ninety percent of you Lakers fans, not you, Drew, but ninety percent of these Lakers fans, they didn't even know who half these players they just picked up was. Until You're right. They, You're right. They're running around. D'Lo, ice in the veins. You didn't. They knew about D'Lo. They knew about D'Lo. They didn't know about Malik. They knew about. They didn't know about Vando. About D'Lo allegations four years ago. They didn't know about Vando. Like these Lakers, and they coming out like, listen, if you would have asked me. What do I think about the Lakers? I would have told you the truth. You have not asked me since the deadline about the Lakers. You have not. I have not said a word about it. You have not asked me about it. But you cannot sit here and get mad at us or sit here and say we were haters when we were shitting on literally two years of bad basketball from the Lakers because that's what it legitimately was. Let's just like that's what it was. That is our job. That's what it was. Let's be realistic. But it's just unfortunate because the first half of the season, I watched the Lakers play a lot of very firm basketball but just lose the close game against really strong teams which is why I stayed so so confident and so high on my Lakers because we were in these games and then we would play the bum teams and not take it very serious that's really what upset me the most but I understood that when we played stern competition like the Grizzlies like the Celtics like the Mavericks we were in every single game we just could not close. You weren't but now it's just a roster. tale of two halves. You weren't going to be good with that roster. I think we can all nah, acknowledge the Lakers. We can all acknowledge the Lakers have been playing well without trying to say that they're going to make the NBA finals. I think that's. The I agree. Of this. I Joel, I hundred percent agree. Because even in last night, so game, who do you feel I confident mean, you guys in? Were consistent last night. Nuggets game. and Phoenix. I listen, Phoenix. I get where you're coming from. So long as KD is on the court, absolutely. The Nuggets. I'm starting to fade. That defense is not good. And listen, Drew. You know. I'm all for you being this hype. You know, I, I I want you to get even more hype. So you know what? And that little black notebook of yours that you haven't opened since week 11 of the NFL season when two started to play bad, I want you to write Lakers takes in there and start writing down names for that. And let's see if you open up that notebook come June. We'll see how this one ages. We'll see how that one ages because you're feeling all high and mighty because first it starts with your wolves. It starts with your wolves that you've been super quiet on lately. It starts with your wolves. And then when we pass those wolves, then it starts to come into the Warriors. And, and that's a respect to Riv because Riv's been very, very firm, and I respect Riv in, in that regard. I'll never disrespect the Warriors when it comes to Riv. But I will say very calmly, the last time, three times we've matched up, we've handled business. And Steph Curry, since he's been back, yes, they've been all road games. The Warriors have just not – they've lacked continuity as well. 
So when we pass those Warriors, and now we're the sixth seed, and then five is the Mavericks, who I've been very firm and consistent. That is not a championship. That is not a contending team because of the lack of defense. Then we're the fifth seed. We'll really start to get going come come playoff time, no doubt about it. The Mavericks, they, they have a top 10 offense, bottom 20 defense. The Lakers defense has kicked up. They're a top 10 defense, but you're still not a top offense. Yeah, wait till LeBron comes back. That'll change. Uh, you, you had LeBron most of the year. That has not been the case. And LeBron was averaging 30 points. He was unbelievable. Yeah, but your offensive output as a team no doubt. is not And now good. we have Malik Beasley. Now we have D'Lo. Oh, we Malik Beasley, the most, one of the most inconsistent He's shooters. super inconsistent, no doubt about it. But Austin Reeves has come in. He has the second highest true shooting at the guard position behind the one, the only, Steph Curry. He's been phenomenal. Dennis Schroeder, oh. he's been able to knock down a shot. I'm just saying respect. Drew, it's, and it's, with that being said, unfortunately, boys, I do have to go. So I want to leave you guys with this. I love you guys. I understand things just got a little bit heated, but that's just what happens when the passion comes out of me and I talk about my Los Angeles Lakers. The word I will leave you guys with simply is respect. All right? Be good, y'all. I see you, Drew. <laughs> It's never easy. <laughs> so this week in the NBA, Riv, what's yours? Oh, yeah. I've been waiting for this shit. Um, <laughs> in 12 games, 14 points per game, three assists, three rebounds, shooting 46% from the field, 38% from the three-point line, 86% from the free throw line. Take a guess, Dells. Who is that? Who is that? Who is that? And wrong answer. The answer is Cam motherfucking Reddish. My boy has nice. found a home. There we go. You know, I mean, yeah, listen, Tatum is one of them ones, you know, nothing you could really do. But if you watch in that, that Celtics team, I see you watch. They're starting to give him more, create more ability to run the offense, let him be a ball handler. He's making good passes. He's making good plays. He's the guy that's just starting to let the game come to him. And last night against the Philadelphia Sixers, he's one of the best players in the, down the stretch. He's one of the best players in closing lineups. He's just been a great player off ball next to Dame. He's been good in transition, has been good shooting the ball. And I'm just happy for my boy to finally find a home. So shout out to Cam Reddish. I needed it. I needed it. I needed it so bad. Did you see what he said about the Knicks? He said uh, a lot of politicking and shit, which is like partially true, partially not, because it was his play, but also, you know, Tom Thibodeau. So I kind of agree with them a little bit because you look at those Knicks players like RJ Baranopi Top and Tibbs utilized none of those high profile guys properly. And we're still playing great. So, John, respect Thibodeau. Oh, I'm just acknowledging the fact that a lot of these young players you have aren't being maximized. Yeah, you, you, also said Josh, you also said Josh Hart them. wasn't nope. going to be good for us, and he's been excellent. He's been the Mr. Peace for us. Offensive rebounding magnet. What can I say? So Tom, Tom Thibodeau, respect Tom <laughs> he Thibodeau. He can stroke it. Dells, what's your, what's your this week in the NBA? Um, so I have two. One, we hadn't talked about it much, but Kevin Durant out two to three weeks. Obviously, big news. I didn't get a topic on today's show. Um, but, yeah, I mean – it's unfortunately kind of a very weird thing in warmups. He slips, rolls his ankle um, out two to three weeks, but we saw he came in after the trade deadline, they put him in and he was fine. They were three and L playing amazing basketball. So I don't think it should be a huge deal once he comes back to the playoffs. And then Sean Marks is also going to be coming back next year for the Nets. He's going to be running the show once again. I wasn't sure if you were going to have this. I don't know if you're a Nets fan anymore, Joel. Sometimes I get confused. Um, but obviously, huge trades with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. He gets to reshape this roster now. We see how great Mikael Bridges has been. Um, and to quickly just give my Lakers take, since you guys were going crazy, 
Um, I think the Lakers have just been consistently inconsistent all year long. Even in last night's game, they had maybe the ugliest third quarter I have ever seen a team have. They could not score the basketball. Then the fourth quarter, they come out and their lights out. I think the Lakers are somewhere in between where Joel thinks they are and where Drew thinks they are. I don't think they're a 13 seed. I think they'll win a playing game. Maybe they can win the first round against the Grizzlies. Without Jai, I would think they could win that series. But I don't think they could get past the Kings. I don't think they're going to pass the, uh, the Nuggets or the Suns with a healthy Kevin Durant. So they're not going to be a, a Western Conference Finals team. But they have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So, you know, that top-end talent's obviously going to take you somewhere if they're healthy in the playoffs. That might, ceiling-wise, might be the second round. Um, but obviously, we don't really know what this team looks like with LeBron plus all of the trade deadline pieces. Now, Mr. John, what are you uh, going with? So, the Dallas Mavericks are 3-6 and six with Luke and Cavery together. And their offensive rating has been a 120 in that stretch. But their defense has been... One of the worst in the NBA by far. Um, we're getting to a point with the Mavericks where they're not very connected because they don't have a rim protector, and they've really had to compensate for their lack of rim protection, the absence of Kristaps Porzingis by loading up on the paint and leaving shooters open. And Jason Kidd, quite frankly, has had no retort for their lack of depth. Like many people that had the Mavericks as contenders because they had Luka Doncic and Maxi Kleba, of course, I'm going to have to start to backtrack. The Mavericks there's no reason they could be a contender other than just Luca alone. But it's the same thing as having KD last year for the Nets. The Mavericks this year are probably more likely to be knocked down in the first round, it feels like, than to actually get back to the conference finals. And man, Joel, the more I think about them losing Jalen Brunson, the more I look at a team that one little move really did derail the entire supporting cast around Luca. For me, my this week in the NBA is simple. It's Kevin Durant's injury. He got injured in warm-ups. He rolled his ankle in. He's expected to come back in, I think, two to four weeks. So just in time for the play-in, playoff timeline. And given that he's a plug-and-play plug player, I think that the Suns will be fine. Devin Booker has taken his game to another level recently. And we forget that these Suns were the first seed in the West when they were healthy. When they had Mikel and Devin Booker and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, We've seen the elite Mikel is taking and continues to take in Brooklyn. By the way, who called it me? I was right there talking about Mikel Bridges' offensive leap, and it's happening in Brooklyn, baby. Brooklyn Bridges, Dells, you better respect. And if they face the Are Celtics, in, again? if they, oh, I, I'm no. a Mikel Bridges fan. That's who I'm a Brooklyn oh, okay. Bridges fan. I'm a Mikel Bridges muted, fan. They will get punched on. Joe, I know what you're about to say. <laughs> they will get punched on. It will be four games. Mikel Bridges will lock up Tatum, baby. Uh, well, He'll lock him up. Can't do shit about that, right? <laughs> so, listen, I think the Suns will be fine, and people are sleeping on them. I think that they are a legit contender, and if they're at their max strength, then they're going to the finals. I still think there's an avenue for, for Denver, but the avenue for Denver making the finals is – elite offensive output, and just good enough defense. That's going to be their formula that they're going to have to rely on throughout the playoffs. Now, making the case, NBA MVP. So this is going to be a fun little twist on MVP because right now in the media, everybody's arguing about who is the MVP. And what people are doing when it comes to these awards is Jokic versus Embiid, Jokic versus Giannis, Giannis versus Embiid. All that stuff, all people are doing are tearing down these MVP candidates when the truth is that all of them have been playing at an elite level 
and deserve to be praised for playing at such level this season. So we'll be making a case for the NBA MVP. We're going to start with Nikola Jokic, who I think most of us here, that is probably is our MVP pick. But I'll start with you, Riff, making your case for Joel Embiid. I mean, making your case for Nikola Jokic, what's your case? So, like you mentioned, you know, a lot of people have been kind of like trying to tear another guy down to prop their guy up. It's kind of like what happens in the GOAT discussion where you're comparing all-time greats. You tear the other guy down to prop the other guy up. Like you said, we're not doing that here. Between the Joker, Giannis, and Embiid, all three of these guys have an amazing case. Shout out to other guys like Tatum, Donovan Mitchell, you know, uh, guys who should be not in the conversation, but definitely should get their MVP level love because they've also been playing amazing for the team. I'm probably missing oh, Darian Fox, you know, for bringing his team up there. You got to show love to them. For me, um, a lot of the times people look at advanced stats and they just think these are something nerd boys make but they don't quite know what it actually means. You know, a lot of the times advanced stats kind of back up to a degree what you watch. You know, they kind of the thing you watch, you look at advanced stats, you're like, all right, this is this. Then you go watch again. And it's kind of like, oh, this makes more sense. Now, I got a couple of advanced stats. I put it Joker, Giannis. I threw Tatum in here because he's one of the top seeds. And then B, EFG, the Joker's at one. True shooting, the Joker's at one. PER, Joker. Win shares, Joker. Offensive win shares, Joker. Defensive win shares, which was surprising to me, was uh, Tatum at first. Joker was at four, but it was all really, really close. I had to add that because the fact that people think it's an insane gap in the impact defensively when the Joker is not that bad. I know there's been a lot of clips of him being bad as of lately, but I feel like it's just the media has been getting to him a lot, and they've just been getting on his nerves. Um, box plus minus, Joker. Offensive box plus minus, Joker. Defensive box plus minus, Joker. Vorp, value over placement, Joker, offensive rating, Joker. Usage rate was interesting. He's the 34th ranked player in the NBA in usage rate, which is why probably he doesn't have the same basic stats as like a Tatum, who's averaging like 30, and Embiid, who's at like 30 and 11. Same thing with Giannis. He doesn't have the usage rate of those guys who are top 10 in the league, but yet he's impacting the game at the uh, higher level. His ability to just either bring the ball up, set the offense, or go down the court, get into the post, set the offense, turn around, one-footed jump shot, post you up with a simple back post, floater over the top, hit the mid-range jump shot over the post, create plays for others, backdoor cuts, off-platform throws, cross-court throws. Like, his ability to just impact the game offensively. I mean, if you watch him, it's interesting to see. It's amazing to see. I made the case for the Joker. I think he's been the consistent best player in the league this year. I think overall Denver has been at the top of the West for the most part, all year, definitely top three all year. They've been the best team in the league. The way that Joker anchors the offense, he's been the catalyst for how they run. He's been the catalyst for pretty much Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray. He's been the reason why he makes his players better, and that's what you want in your MVP, a valuable guide to your team. The off-on-court numbers is ridiculous. So that's my case for the Joker and why I think he's the MVP. When talking about Nikola Jokic, I think that the case for him is simple. He's averaging a triple-double on the first team in the Western Conference, second-best record in the NBA. And out of Joel Embiid and Giannis, he's played the most games at 59 versus Embiid 53, Giannis 52. He's first in PER. The negative about his game is warranted defensively. I think his positioning is good, and he has good verticality. He can't rim protect. We know that because he can't block shots. But when talking about Jokic, and I think this is to his detriment in the MVP case, Opponents shoot 71% at the rim against the Nuggets, which is the second worst in the NBA. And I think that 
is a Jokic stat. I think the reason why teams are able to abuse the Nuggets in paint points is because Jokic offers very little resistance. Now, in the playoffs, will that be a problem? Yeah, Mike Malone's going to have to come up with some creative coverages. I think the the best way to fix that is probably stick Jokic on a non-threatening offensive player in the wing, in the corner, kind of how Steve Kerr has done with Stephen Curry, the Rockets, and Mike D'Antoni did with James Harden. That's going to have to be a similar thing with Nikola Jokic. But I think that stat does correlate to why the Nuggets aren't great defensively. But offensively, a triple-double, first seed in the West, it's hard to argue against that. So one thing that I've noticed with Jokic is that the last couple of games, he's defended like dog shit. Against the Spurs last night, they won against the Nuggets. They're on a two-game losing streak. Jokic has bad defensive performances in the regular season. Now, on the year, he's averaging 24.5 points per game. He's the most efficient player in all basketball, 70% true shooting, which is typically what you see from a center like Mitchell Robinson taking two shots and two or three dunks a game, and he's also averaging 10 assists from the center position. That is something you never say, and he's the most unique offensive player in basketball. But the Nuggets without him are not a playoff team. Jamal Murray has been great this year. I look at this offense, though, and it makes everybody around him better. Look no further than Will Barton is off the team. I made that point before. The only thing that's holding Jokic back is defensively, he lowers the Nuggets ceiling. And I feel like that lack of consistency is one thing that could hold him back relative to another player. But offensively, you can't deny the simple fact the Nuggets have a plus 20 on-off offensively because of how much value he brings as a playmaker. Very few teams can guard him. And given his efficiency at the center position, the guy shooting 60% from mid-range, you'll be hard-pressed to find a more skilled, selfless, and pretty much composed uh, center in the entire NBA. Nothing phases the guy, and he's literally a seven-foot point guard that doesn't turn over the ball often. Listen, Jokic has been the guy all season long, and I think your MVP case really tells a lot about maybe who you like as a team. I'm a Celtics guy. Celtics have been struggling over the last 10 games or so. Um, but I don't really, you know, faint one way or the other. I don't think we're frauds and all of a sudden we had, you know, a hot start and now we suck. But I also don't think you just throw it out the window. And I think MVP might be similar, right? We have Embiid, who we're going to talk about, and Giannis, who Embiid the last seven games is averaging like 40 and putting up stupid numbers. And Giannis goes on this win streak. But Jokic has been this guy this entire time. And he's been this guy as Embiid's doing his thing and Giannis is doing his thing. And Tatum was off to a hot start. Averaging a triple-double, 24-12-10. and 10. Riv brought up the advanced stats. Number one seed in the West the entire season. They've had basically the second-best record in the NBA behind the Celtics, now behind the uh, Bucks right now. Um, so top two, three record in the NBA all season. And making guys around him better. We know Jamal Murray coming off an injury. We know his ceiling. We've seen how great he could be. He could play an all-star level. But he came back. He's shooting extremely efficient. Um, same thing with Michael Porter Jr., who's had a, a really strong season um, coming off an injury as well. And then the role player guys like the Bruce Browns and the KCPs um, being able to get those guys involved and really fit seamlessly into this offense. So I think Jokic right now is still my pick. The other guys we're going to talk about right now definitely have a case. But I think the fact that he's done it from game one to game, what are we, 68, 69 of the season, he hasn't really faulted. I understand defensively, you know, he's not there, but it, it's kind of been the case for the Nuggets. I know they had about a month or two ago, they were having stretches where they were playing better defensively, but all season long, they were never a great defensive team. They were always kind of in the teens, 
Um, I think they got to up around 11th or, or 12th in defensive efficiency. Um, but we kind of knew this all along. So the fact that people are pushing other players, I think they're just trying to find faults in Jokic's game, which he definitely has defensively. And that's why it's been brought up now. Even when talking about the Nuggets defense, they're 13th in defensive rating. So it's not like they're an abysmal Dallas Mavericks level defensive team. Next player, we're going to talk about making a case, Joel Embiid. I don't know about you guys, but I really do think that the recent push in the media by Kendrick Perkins, the conversations that have been had about the favoritism these voters might have towards players that are white has definitely raised some eyebrows and possibly going to give Embiid a bit of a push in this conversation. I do think that you look at the past 10 games, Jokic versus Embiid, Embiid has been better. I think Embiid is making a push late for MVP. And if he continues this stretch that he's on, I think he will win MVP. His odds yesterday were plus 370. Today, they're plus 300. And I think with the performances that Embiid keeps racking on, he, he's going to get higher and this, this race is going to be tighter. And I will tell you, my pick for MVP is going to be Joel Embiid. I'm going with Joel Embiid. And the reason I'm going with Joel Embiid is because I picked him before the season started to win the MVP. And also, I just feel I just feel like he deserves it. He does deserve it. Jokic's first MVP, let's be honest about it, it was Embiid's, but he got hurt. And since Embiid got hurt, he didn't win MVP, but that year he was supposed to win. Last season, he didn't play enough games, and the Sixers weren't high enough in the standings to win that MVP. But two years ago, the Sixers were the first seed in the Eastern Conference, if I'm not mistaken. So he probably should have got a bigger push to win that year. And this year, you're the third seed in the Eastern Conference. He's the leading scorer in the NBA. And you're on the third seed in the East, and he's a two-way player, second in PER. He's an elite defensive player last night against the Blazers and beats defense along with his offense is why they won that game. And I just keep thinking about Joel Embiid and, and really this is ultimately my case. And if I'm biased, I'm, I'm biased, but I'm going to make this case for Joel Embiid because frankly, if Joel Embiid does not win MVP, this will be the best three year stretch a player has ever had in NBA history where they have not won the award. In 2020, averaging 28 and a half, 10 rebounds, shooting 51% from the field. 2021, he averaged 30, shot 50% from the field, had 12 rebounds a game. This season, 33 a game, 10 rebounds, four assists, shooting 54% from the field. And Bede has led the league in scoring the past two seasons, last season and this season. If he doesn't win MVP, we're going to look back on this time like, how did we not give this guy an MVP. Joel Embiid deserves the award. He, he's he been runner-up two years in a row. I think this year is the year he finally gets it, and that's why I put money on Embiid to win MVP because I think this year is the year he gets it done and voters are more sympathetic towards his case. He's the first big to score 30 points per game. First center, excuse me. Since Shaq, 1999. Shaq never averaged 30 points per game. He averaged 29.9, in fact. So it's dating back to the 1980s, 1990s. I think Moses Malone was the player of memory serves. Maybe it was Carl Malone. Joel Embiid is the best scoring big by far, 33 points per game on 63% true shooting. But for Philadelphia, he raised their ceiling exponentially defensively because they have good defenders, right? They have DeAnthony, of course, PJ, but he is the one, probably the best drop back defensive center in the game that offers a lot of value as well as the pastor where he's had better games this year. The other thing I look at too, 
in Joel Embiid's 2021 campaign, he was the MVP until he had his meniscus injury. He finished that year at 51 games played. This year, with about 15 games left, give or take, uh, the Sixers have played 66, so 16. He has played 53 games, more than that season, and he could play as many as he did last year, 68. The reason Embiid didn't win the, the award last year was when he went to Otof Jokic later in the year, Jokic beat him. And people saw, oh, well, Jokic has a worse supporting cast. He only finishes with two less wins, and he beat him head-to-head. Jokic gets that slight little nod. Well, the 76ers and the Nuggets play each other on the 27th of March, and I believe the winner of that game will take home the trophy. And Embiid's deserving. Like you said, Joel, I mean, with the, uh, the production, the consistency, night in, night out, it's about time he finally gets that one MVP he deserves. And that's my case for him. Dells, you're muted. Sorry. Yeah, you think the one regular season game should determine who wins MVP? When it's this close, head-to-head matchups do make that difference. It should matter. I, I think that I think the problem that people have had with the Jokic thing has been that the narratives that have faulted players in the past don't fault Jokic. For example, when James Harden was finishing runner-up for MVP five years in a row, what is the constant thing people said about him? They don't like his play style. He plays zero defense. When it comes to Jokic and the defense is not there, I, I know the advanced numbers tell a different story, but, I mean, teams are shooting the second best at the rim when Jokic is on the floor against the Nuggets. When it's Jokic, it's how can you not like the play style? When people may not see – when Jokic, too many people, don't doesn't pass the eye test. Yet there are a lot of people that say when it comes to that, how can he not pass the eye test? Um, other players have not gotten three-time MVPs because of team records, because of not of lack of playoff success. But when it comes to Jokic, it seems like none of that matters. And I think that's where people kind of get annoyed within the criteria of MVP voting. Because if the team record mattered, then Embiid should have won it two seasons ago. And if the narrative of having your teammates injured and you having to carry the load matters, then I think Giannis should be front runner this year because the Bucs have the best record in the NBA and Middleton and Holiday have missed games and Giannis has kept them afloat. That makes sense. And B's been the hot name lately, and I get it. Um, you know, these last seven, eight games have been ridiculous. All season has been great. You don't lead the league in the NBA in scoring and have a slow anything, really, right? And beat has 23, 35-point games this season. It's only happened twice by a center in NBA history, Shaq and Moses Malone, and they both won MVP that year. So when you look at the scoring output, obviously defensively what he does is, is unmatched, but especially the offensive output as the center, being able to be this dominant in 2023 – and more of a traditional center role than someone like Nikola Jokic obviously speaks to how great of a player Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is. I think the only pushback I have in, on Embiid is he's in the East and he's a three seed. And the two teams above him, first the Celtics, he's had their number forever, right? And this year included. He can't get past the Celtics for whatever reason it is. He's been struggling to do it in the regular season. He's been struggling to do it in the playoffs. And then you look at the two guys that are over him right now. Jokic right now has been pretty solid or just as good as Embiid, maybe not scoring dominant-wise, but impact-wise, just as important as Embiid. And he's held the number one seed in the West the entire season The entire season um, this year. And I get it, Joel. You know, you want to go back in history and say the best record or the be- number one seed doesn't always win MVP. But I do think if you were splitting hairs, that should come into account. And then you take a look at Giannis, who we're going to talk about next. 
he's in the East, and he's been over the Sixers pretty comfortably for a while now, too, and just as dominant once again with Joel Embiid. So I do think it takes a bit of a hit for Embiid that he has someone else in the East who has just as strong as an MVP case in Giannis. Plus, he just went on this 16-game winning streak, and he's proven not that not that past performances should matter in previous years, but the fact that he has been able to get over the humps of other top teams in the East that Joel Embiid hasn't been able to do. Maybe that's not, you know, fair. I'm not the biggest Philly fan being a Celtics guy, so I don't want to sound biased here. But I do think that lays in the mind of a lot of voters thinking that we've seen this guy go into the playoffs, not get past that second round, watch your team get the MVP, especially now that he's the three seed. And it's not like the Sixers are by far and away this dominant team like the Nuggets are in the West or like the Bucks have been for the last month and a half of the season. Riv, did you make your case? For Joel Embiid? Mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> Joel Embiid, it, it, it does suck for Joel Embiid because runner-up two, three years in a row, possibly this year, that could, that's going to hurt somebody. You know, playing, like I said, we haven't seen a center play at this level since Shaq, you know, in terms of just dominance and sheer will. I mean, I, I look at Joel Embiid, and, and Shaq wasn't as great defensively as Joel Embiid was. You know, I look at this Joel Embiid stint, and I guess the, the one – like like Dell says, the one knock you could say is like, yeah, he's a three seed, but also he maybe offensively doesn't have to do as much as the Joker as he has Harden, the playmate. You know, he has other guys that can go get a bucket as where the Joker is their primary playmaker, their guy down the stretch, their offensive weapon. But what Embiid is doing, you know, you can't ignore it. 33 and 11, you know, he's been the best scorer in the NBA this year. He's been arguably the best defender in the NBA. I mean, he's been a two-way. People say Giannis is the best two-way player in the league. You can make an argument this year that Joel Embiid has been that. So the case for Embiid is pretty simple. I'm the I'm the, I'm the best. He's just I'm the best two-way player in the league. I'm really leading the league in scoring. You know, I've been dealt with Ty, uh, Tyrese Maxey injury. He's been in and out of the lineup. You know, Harden's getting back to his vibe. But I've been a three, three seed pretty much for the most of the year. In the East, I know seeding people love to make seeding matter a lot, but if you're a top seed, you should get the nod. For me, MB's case is pretty simple leading score. Pretty his case, not even like, and I'm not saying he's on the same level as Michael Jordan, but his case is kind of similar to Michael Jordan's cases back in the day. Two way defense, I'm the best scorer in the NBA, I'm the most dominant player in the NBA. I don't see why I shouldn't be in the MVP conversation. Now, moving on to the last player here, Giannis, and I'm looking at the odds. Jokic is minus 250, Embiid is plus 250 now, and Giannis is at plus 900, which might be a little bit odd. John, if you could change the lower third here, I'd appreciate it, but Giannis has averaged 31 this year, 12 rebounds, almost six assists, shooting 54% from the field, and the Bucks have the best record in the NBA, with Drew Holiday has been healthy, but Chris Middleton has only played 22 games this season. And I look at Giannis sitting at plus 900. It kind of feels like his odds should be higher, but I understand with Giannis's recent injury, this MVP stretch is going to come down to Jokic and Embiid. But I think Giannis has a serious case. And in years past, we probably don't even question this MVP from Giannis. He's 31 and 12 and first seed in the, in the East. Your, your second best player has been injured. Second, third best player has been injured. You, you know, he, he, feels very deserving to win it as well. Without a doubt. I mean, not only does he have that production, but I would say he's the best two-way player in the league. Now, I was playing Brooke Lopez, but Giannis has been that for years now. 
And I feel like when you look at Embiid's playmaking, he's the second best playmaker of the bunch, the best defender. And those two things coinciding with the Bucks' recent surge as the best team in the NBA, to some extent, seeding does have to matter. If you're far and away the best team with far and away the best two-way player, that is, in most of our eyes, the best player in the world, Giannis is in the thick of this MVP conversation. It does kind of stink he's missed some time as of late. I think, and I think the uh, he's taking a dip efficiency-wise for Giannis. He's taking a mm-hmm. like he Giannis is so weird because you know he, this year he hasn't improved the jumper. You know hasn't shown improvement, but he's still at that same dominant rim wrecking ability. You know he's still in. I think what's hurting Giannis is the fact that Lopez is on a different level defensively this year. You know Drew Holiday has stepped up immensely when Middleton has been out, so he's kind of been given a little bit more of a a better hand, you know, Middleton has been out, but you've seen the role players do step up when Giannis isn't playing. They've stepped up in their stay. But for Giannis, I think comfortably, you know, he always has a case because he's always arguably, like John said, he's always one of the best two-way players in the NBA. He still provides that elite help side defense, that elite rim protecting. He still can take over a game and pop for 40 to 50 points nightly. You know, he can still give you that game-breaking, dominant takeover ability. Just for this year, especially when the Bucks went on that 15-game winning streak, he was dominant. You know, people, whether other teams was playing their best guys or not, you still have to come to play. And he came, and he was extremely dominant. So Giannis, his case is always the same case every year. It's just about if the voters love him or not. Yeah, and the Bucks and Giannis have been so dominant recently that nobody has even been talking about the Celtics, and it hurts my heart a little bit. Um, but that's just how great Giannis and the Bucks have been. I mean, 16-game winning streak. The numbers are ridiculous, 31, 12, and 6. It might not be the prettiest 31 you ever see with him just running guys over, and it seems like every time he plays the Celtics, or at least it's an offensive foul that somehow gets called on the defense as a blocking foul, but that's neither here or there. And even with Middleton in the lineup, it's not like he's the same Chris Middleton. He's been playing 20, 25 minutes a night. So even when he's out of the lineup, obviously they're missing him, and when he's in the lineup, it's still not that same impactful Chris Middleton that we've seen from two years ago. Obviously, Drew Holiday and, and Brooke Lopez are two of the best defenders in the NBA perimeter, uh, rim protector. Brooke Lopez might win Defensive Player of the Year. So it's not like Giannis is of any help by any means. But without him, I mean, this Bucks is, is nowhere near the squad. That goes without saying. Um, and he's when I think of dominating player, he's the first name that comes to mind. So now to finish off this topic and then going to let Dells go because he had to leave at five. This is the final question for all of you guys. If neither of these players have MVP, we know MB doesn't have MVP. Let's let's look at this MVP race as a clean slate. Jokic doesn't have an MVP. Embiid, he doesn't have MVP. Giannis doesn't have one. Which which one of these players do you think would have got their first one if everybody's just on a clean slate? Jokic. Mm, that's a good question. But then that would defeat my whole – that would defeat my point of who was the MVP because I, I don't look at it like that. I would still say Joker. I would still say Joker. But yeah. if I, I think from – speaking from the media, if I was in the media, speaking from their mind, I would say Embiid gets it this year. I would probably still go with Jokic just because I think from game one to game 67, he's been the best player in the league. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of might lean Giannis a little bit just because of the first seed in, in the East type thing. Yeah. I just think the, the, the media has a fetish for Embiid. You know, they, they like, they have like a big that has all the post moves and shoot the jumper. Like, I think 
Giannis and the Joker are a little bit less appealing as opposed to Embiid. Like they've been trying to push this Embiid thing for a while. You know, he should get it. He should get it. Mm-hmm. Got it. You see Drew Hanlon is up there pushing the agenda. So I think like speaking from the media, if I was in there, I probably would have been like Embiid. But us not even thinking of that, I would say Joker. But the media voters know ball. Like last year, they went all in on Jokic, like mostly as a landslide. Mm-hmm. And I think what they look at is efficiency because Jokic has a 10% higher true shooting. That's a big yeah. gap relative to Giannis, who's at 60%. Yeah. And the playmaking usage, given how great the Nuggets offense has been and he's played the most games, I think that's the reason why they kind of look at Jokic as the safe, more conservative fit. Yeah, I think I would go with Giannis and my second pick would be Jokic, but Either order is fine. I do want Embiid to win MVP this year, though. I think he's finally deserving of it. Three straight years of this level of basketball, he deserves an MVP. But, you know, if he doesn't get it this year, he'll get it when he goes to the Knicks next year. When's the last time we've seen three talented bigs at the same time like this? The 2000s, Shaq, Duncan, and KG. Dirk. Dirk. Uh, yeah, that's, it's been a minute. So we're going to let Dells go, and we're going to finish off this show reading Super Chats. So, Mr. Dells, have a great a day. You too. And, John, if you could remove the Giannis lower third, I'd appreciate that. Now, on to these Super Chats. We, sh- we should have read them earlier. This from Santos, $2. Lakers are still trash. Drew wouldn't have liked that one. The kill shot. Love the NBA content. Y'all got me back into it. Shout out to you, the kill shot. Tony Montana. Panthers are about to open to trading first pick already. It's cap. Yeah, I don't think they're trading it. I think they're going to select their quarterback, whichever one they like the most, no doubt about it. This from Smear60. Sup, guys, it's Jake. Can Carter or Wilson fall to nine? I think Carter is more likely to fall to nine because of the legal stuff he has going on. I think Tyree Wilson gets picked within nine. In my opinion, yeah, he's one of the top three defenders in the class, right, Tyree? Yeah, he definitely has the upside to be the best one in a lot of scout size. Okay, this from Q Bugavelli. It's crazy Casey traded up with Buffalo to move up for Pat. Yeah, in fact, that is actually kind of wild. They both won the trade. (laughs) Josh Allen and Mahomes smear sixty. The Bears absolutely need to focus defense in the draft. I agree. Orlando Martinez, Joel loves drowning with men. Hey, yo. Mm, it's a crazy super chat, my friend. RJ Fisher, appreciate the shout out last episode. Love season. Shout out to RJ Fisher for always showing love to the show. This is from Selah. Big thanks to y'all for helping my days at work go by so fast and helping de casualizing me in basketball. Keep up the good work. Shout out to Selah. We appreciate the super chat, man. Thank you so much. Future NFL MVP 021. Talk your ish, Drew. Talk to him. It's a big Lakers guy. Santos Lopez Riv is spitting. And put in another emoji ring season. Shout out to Santos. Fan favorite of the show. He is honestly a legend, a goat. I can't wait to shower. I stink. <laughs> and that's going to do it for episode 262 of the Pickside Podcast. You guys can follow us on Twitter at Pickside Pod, on Instagram and TikTok at Pickside Podcast. And also help support our sponsors, Boom Fantasy, Mojo, Athletic Greens. Playback will be on there tomorrow to watch the Knicks and Lakers game. Supporting them supports us. Thank you guys for watching and listening. Don't forget to subscribe and like, and we'll see you. This is Andy Herman from the Packaday Podcast. In case you didn't know, the show you're listening to right now, as well as my show, is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. 
Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if we worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, their podcast network, and business operations. Now they are raising another round on WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdfunding service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest for as little as $100. In other words, you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in cool companies on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their sales team and improve operations, which in turn will help this show continue to grow. If you would like to be part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. That's wefunder.com slash bluewire.